Uh, it's a series of free books. You can access in my library at unicusmagazine.com. Uh, scroll down to Divine Secret Garden. And it's, it's written by a man named John Pinella. He's an American, um, born and raised a fundamental Christian. But at some point, he became disenchanted with the whole thing and realized that there was something extremely wrong or something lacking. And so he started to study the Gnostic teachings, and ultimately he asked for guidance. Divine guidance was given to him, and, all, and he was able to deconstruct the biblical writings in a way that um, I had never seen before and uh, bring it up to a modern time, put it into, I think, a proper context in that we are all in a simulation. Our souls, or I should say, are connected remotely to a simulation, much like when you're sitting there playing a video game. You're not in the game, but you're connected to the game through the controller. And, um, I mean, this is a, just an analogy, obviously. Our souls are not, you know, outside the matrix using that. It's a different type of technology. It's not a remote control, per se. But um, he also likened it to a flight simulator in that it's real enough that once you've got enough hours in a flight simulator where you don't crash the virtual plane, then you can go out and actually begin to co-pilot and learn how to or actually fly a real plane. Uh, that's, that's, again, that's just an analogy for what was going on here. Um, the original intent behind the Matrix, as created by Anki or Lucifer or whatever you want to call him, uh, was to create his own empire, his own universe, that he could be Lord, God, Savior, Father of, which he is, but I mean, you know, it's, it's not real. It's virtually real. And um, the thing about it is it's, it was uh, sort of like a mad scientist gone, <laughs> really gone off the deep end. When he created this uh, simulation, it became administrated by artificial intelligence, which I think is more accurately called synthetic life because it mimics organic systems. In fact, he took a region of real space, real creation, the cosmos, and he altered it. He captured it by force, took it away from his family, because, I mean, essentially the war in heaven that he started is a family feud. And so when he, he the area, or the area of space that he captured really only um, is about 4% of the known creation of the multiverse. And so this little area that he controls and manipulates is something that I think we can call a simulation or the matrix because most people are familiar with that movie uh, and the concept, but it's, it's way deeper than that. And um, uh, the movie doesn't really get into, uh, doesn't fully explain it. The divine secret garden is a, a series of four or five free books in PDF format, or you can listen to it on audio, but in any case, it's, it's available through my website on the, on the library section. Very cool. How far into the Luciferian agenda are we at this point? <laughs> well, it's been going on for a long time, relatively speaking, within Earth terms, um, which, again, I think is quite a, it's an illusion. But, it, you know, relatively speaking, he has con had control over this region of space. This particular world was originally a paradise planet. Uh, I don't know. I mean, let's just say half a million years ago by Earth standards, that he came in, he and his crew came in, took over, altered it 
killed a lot of the original life forms, but and then began genetically, what do they call that? Genetically modifying the uh, DNA that was here, put here by his mother. Um, Wes Penray calls this the living library. And it was, I consider it to be divine and benevolent originally in its intent and design. But when Lucifer came here and took over by force, he altered it into something quite different. And actually, you know, we we look around and we see this predatory parasitic behavior and think it's natural or normal, and it's not. That's something he introduced. Everything used to be symbiotic and sustainable up until the time that he took over. So um, the other thing is everything also changed into becoming, <clears throat> excuse me, physical as we know it, physicality or du- and or duality between uh, you know good and evil, truth and lie. All of that stuff didn't exist either. But the 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 aspect that we think of as physical is really part of the program that he initiated through this artificial intelligence, through this hologram, the matrix, is really uh, a, um, a technology that is broadcasting frequencies in this region of space that essentially makes it invisible to the rest of creation. It is also um, altering all the vibratory patterns of everything in it so that it becomes more dense, more more uh, heavily it's just it's it's changed the frequencies to what we think of as physical. It's still not really physical or solid. That's an illusion. And when you break it down, you look deeper into something. It's really just a series of wave patterns. So you can say that physical matter doesn't really exist. It's just it's our perception of it. Uh, it's it's really frozen light or crystallized light waves. And um, those patterns obviously can be reversed at any time, and that's something I think we should discuss about how. We, I know a lot of people who talk about ascension and how you raise your vibration and all that stuff. It's it's really interesting to me that it's it seems overly simplistic, but it's something we can do. I mean, it's, it, anybody can do that. They just have to realize that they can do that. You mean uh, raising your vibration? Yeah, I mean, if you. Look, the problem is the souls that have been here too, uh, what I consider to be too long, for, they've, they've had so many lifetimes here, virtual lifetimes, they start to believe that this is real. And when they believe it, it becomes it. It's sort of like when you're playing a video game, you know, you have to suspend your disbelief. You, you know, on one level, you know it's a video game. But if you get really sucked into it, you've got a good system, and you're, you're playing with other people, you can... It's, this is why it's just so addictive. It becomes it becomes a whole other reality. What's what's Parallel kind of funny to, to me us. is that I always thought it was kind of funny how Israel almost sounds like Israel. Israel? Oh. <laughs> I just kind of thought that was kind of curious because so much seems to be focused around that area of the world, the Middle East, and, of course, uh-huh. Revelation has talked about it. I just have to wonder if that something is real. This is real. The Matrix, it's real, but it's not. Oh, yeah, yeah. They want us to believe that, of course, yes. And I, I'm sure there's, yeah, there's some truth to that, specifically like that um, that uh, big building, that square building in Mecca. Oh, yeah, yeah, where they worship yeah. whatever they're worshiping there, you know, and they do the circles around it and whatnot. I mean, it's um, 
The Temple of Solomon was, I believe, something like that as well, you know, where they used to do sacrifices every day, blood sacrifices every day. Yeah, that's uh, to true. whom? <laughs> now, that's interesting so, because I was, you know, listening to uh, another one of your interviews and somebody asked you if the uh, uh, the Demiurge or, or God mm-hmm. from the Bible might be the uh, Demiurge or actually be Satan or Lucifer kind of tricking everybody and inverting our beliefs. Right. Yeah, well, I do think that, uh, of course, that's what they, they would like to do. That's why they lie to us all the time, and so we make choices. You know, one of the things I've come to understand is that they not only are they feeding off the negative energies that we generate when we're connected to this matrix, when we harm ourselves or others, but uh, or live in fear or anger, but the uh, also they they've lost their ability to create with their consciousness alone through their spirit, their soul. So they they use us to do that, to help manifest their particular agenda or whatever it is that they need to create on certain levels. So, um, and we do this unaware. Typically, I mean, I'll get an example. Um, so a scientist is eager to invent something new and get all the acclaim and whatever, uh, and suddenly has a, a lucid dream one night, and these entities sh- show him how to build a better whatever, laser beam, bomb, something like that. And lo and behold, the next day he's out there, and he's telling his colleagues, hey, look at this. Look at what I've discovered or invented. And see, there's a choice there. That person made a choice to go ahead and use their creativity, their consciousness to to manifest these things not realizing the full implication that they're actually serving the Luciferian agenda. That's just one example. It happens across all aspects of society. So they have to have, because they can't do it, they need human emissaries. Yeah, I mean, what, whatever they create is synthetic, because they've lost their ability as souls to um, actually manifest simply for on a soul level. Um because that's how it's really done. It's not magic. I mean, think about it. Um, let me, how do I say this? Everything is either consciousness, energy, or matter, but it's all waveforms. But what is generating the waveforms? Th- that would have to be a soul or a spirit. When your soul or spirit or consciousness is damaged, like these, these beings from the dark side, they they literally are um, internally they have no integrity they're they're they have an internal conflict. The darkness they they're really when I say darkness I mean they have a they're everything about them is when they manifest waveforms it's dissonant, dark, destructive. The opposite end of that is is resonant, light, harmony, love, creativity. And they don't have that any longer. They've lost that capability um, for whatever reason. Again, I, I'm just speculating what was the trigger. Whatever it was is maybe not as important as the fact that it just is. That is the current status of their being is dissonant. So, yes, they need us to do these things on their behalf here in the Matrix. Of course, that would never work outside the Matrix. It's, again, it's one of the reasons that Lucifer, Enki, whatever, created this little uh, alternate universe 
that would give him total control. What do you think about this flat earth earth stuff going around? Is that some kind of (laughs) disinfo campaign? Is there truth to it? Are we perhaps um, just seeing things the way that Lucifer or, or the, uh, you know, his human emissaries wish us to see things? Yeah, I can't answer that because I, I, you and I really can't go out into space and look at it. I mean, we could on an astral plane, but even there, um, he, they have put in uh, barriers. They have uh, astral police, I guess you would call it. You know, they they harass you, us when we go travel in our astral body in spirit. When we di- disconnect and we start to look from a higher plane uh, down into this mess. Uh, they typically don't want us doing that because it, it it makes it harder to control us and everybody else here. So, but the point is, since you raised it, um, I, I don't think that's Im- really important. It just we're here, whatever, whatever shape, form, what you want to call it, this is where we are, and everything about this matrix is based on truth and lies good and evil meaning and what i mean by that is either it's a weird combination this duality is a combination of resonance and dissonance if there was no resonance here the dissonance would simply consume itself and and the whole thing would collapse it would have collapsed a long time ago so like i said they really need us and that's one of the reasons that they always are lying and manipulating behind the scenes because if enough of us or i should say when enough of us wake up and say no i'm not doing this anymore well then the thing is going to fall apart it it will simply collapse on itself we won't have to do anything to <laughs> it'll just it'll just happen what kind of being is lucifer uh, the form, his original form, was uh, or is a um, amphibious humanoid. So, if you look at any of the historic literature and or drawings of the Middle East, a, a being named Oannes, O A N N E S, I believe, also called Ea, E A, is spelled E A. He comes out of the Persian Gulf wearing a uh, what looks like a fish head and fish suit. I mean, we would call it a wetsuit today, but that's not really what he's wearing. It's it's what the Pope wears when the mitre hat. That's actually looks like a fish head. That's emulating Enki and his immediate um, subordinates. Oh, okay. So he's so they're kind of giving themselves the uh, the original. Uh, appearance of the uh, the fish uh, aliens or the amphibious aliens. Well, it, yeah, that word alien is kind of weird. It, it means foreigner, and there is no such thing. We're all related. If you mean somebody from off-world, okay. But the bottom line is that's irrelevant. We're all connected or related through DNA everywhere throughout creation, including even the Matrix. Itself. I mean, Anki didn't create the DNA that was here. He manipulated it. He genetically rearranged it using technology, but uh, he didn't create it with his spirit. I mean, he allegedly he was a creator god, a builder of worlds, 
previous to his going, he and his crew going insane and becoming very dangerous, destroyer of worlds. They switched over from being resonant to dissonant. Um, allegedly, this was an accident. I mean, it could have been avoided, but uh, I don't know. If, did you ever read that article in my in my article section called "The Birth of the Archons"? I believe, believe so. It was a little while ago, but it, yeah. Yeah, anyway, it's there for anybody who wants to read it. And uh, it, just briefly, it's because it's something that was given to me shortly after I was confronted by him in 1985, a, a, one of my neighbors, friend, good friend, very intelligent guy. Um, I had told him some things that were happening to me, and I really didn't understand what was happening. I, and I don't know, I think he was divinely guided to do this for me, but he, his parents were writers in Hollywood, and he, he had um, they had a huge library in their house. And so he... Uh, he was guided to just pull a book off of the shelf and give it to me. He says, here, I think this will help you. Well, it turned out it was written by a friend of my dad. And um, they, had, they had studied under Yogananda at Self-Realization Fellowship during the early, early years. And um, the author's name is Norman Paulson. He's deceased now. But he went on to, after he left uh, Self-Realization, he went on to try and form his own little religious order, and um, he wrote this book, and it was originally called Sunburst, Return of the Ancients. And in that, and that was the copy that was given to me, uh, in there it talks about uh, human extraterrestrials meeting Norman out in the deserts of uh, California, uh, just giant rock near Palm Springs. And they allegedly told him that uh, Lucifer had gone insane because he and, he and his crew went into, entered a forbidden zone. I don't know where it is or what it is, but that's what, that's part of the story. I, I mean, and so the bottom line is this, when they entered the forbidden zone, thinking that they would be somehow, above, you know, that the prohibition, didn't, the quarantine didn't really apply to them, or at least Lucifer thought, you know, hey, my mom created all this. Why would she create something that I can't experience? And so he went in there, they went in there, and they, they were, they went insane. They suffered, um, uh, what do they call it? Dissociation, multiple personality disorder. In other words, their spirit was fragmented, broken, and, and their consciousness became altered and distorted to the point where not only did they have multiple personalities and they therefore had no integrity any longer, they were, in other words, there's an internal conflict, but they also accidentally, inadvertently created these uh, mental parasites, the archon, and um, so they switched from being builders of worlds to now destroyers of worlds. And once they it, they managed to find their way out of the forbidden zone, they he they started the war in heaven. So, um, uh, and that's ultimately how this world and everything on it became caught up in that. Are there? So, yeah. Are there? Yeah. You say war. Is there an opposing force? Are there good forces oh, yeah. out there that are kind of trying to keep Lucifer and his gang in check? Okay. So yeah, like I said, it was a family feud that he started. So now another source that I'm relying on, not entirely, but I do recommend people read it in my library at UnicusMagazine.com is um, Wes Penray's papers. Those are his research papers. Each PDF, and there's five of them, are uh, each one of them is, is a like a massive book, um, but it's broken down into s separate papers. 
So anyway, the bottom line is this. What he says is that Lucifer was born a prince in the court, royal court of Orion, that his mother was the queen of Orion, that she was, in fact, she, she was the original goddess creator, creatrix, creatrix of the, the cosmos, the universe, the, major, the multiverse that we think of. Well, we can't even see it now because we're separated from it, but originally that's where we came from. She is our birth mother of our souls and, and all of the creation. She took the physical form of this queen of the royal court in Orion's belt. And her, her son, her firstborn, by a virgin birth, was or is Lucifer. Known, and that's a title. It just means the light bearer because he's extremely, even in his, in his current state, he has, he's extremely bright, radiant. I mean, he glows. Uh, and that's what he did to me when he confronted me. And it works pretty well. Obviously, I, I was completely baffled by him for over, like, what, almost 29 years. I thought he was a god. I, and I, that wasn't really wrong. He presented himself. He looked like Jesus. And he, you know, he said, I'm the father. So naturally, um, I'm, not, I'm not a religious person, but I know about religion. I've studied, I've studied all the religion. Uh, but, I, <laughs> you know, he's presenting himself this way. And I know he thinks this. So... He's not only the light bearer, he's the water bearer. He's the father of our current, this matrix, and our current format. These bodies are genetically engineered by him. Um, he saved us from the flood. And that was something, since you'd asked, his family in, the, in Orion, outside the matrix, actually triggered this. Uh, it's a way they were trying to clean up his mess. Things had gotten really out of hand because... He wanted to, not only did, when he created this particular synthetic fake matrix, universe simulation, his goal was always to use it as a, uh, like a fortress to ultimately reach out and destroy the, the court of Orion outside the matrix and then take over the rest of the universe. Does that make sense to you? Uh, yeah, he, he's, uh, he's got some kind of ego problem, it sounds like. <laughs> Well, that's what the biblical thing is. They claim his pride was so great that he, you know, he wanted to become God, Lord God of all creation, and displace the current God, even though it was actually a goddess that birthed everything. I mean, I don't know why we get so caught up in this, but it's it's obvious. We call it nature, we call it Mother Nature, and yet in biblical terms, we're always talking about the Father. This is a distortion coming from Lucifer. He's really pissed off at his mom. And here's why. Here's my understanding. Because... Wes Penry says that at some point, uh, Lucifer got really jealous. He does have a half-brother, and he got jealous. For for some reason, he seemed to just go, go completely unhinged uh, because he wasn't getting what he wanted. This is the way Wes puts it. Is, um, uh, he started this, this civil war. This family feud, and this this would but, be the um, uh, much uh, talked about feud between Enki and his brother Enlil. Yeah, but you got to understand that again. These are titles, and it's not just his brother. His bro in in okay. Look in Sumer, it, it, Sitchin's translations to me, I don't think are accurate at all. I think they were done by on behalf of Enki and his current. Um, administration 
they, the, his minions, basically. They wanted to control the narrative and make Enki look like the victim when, in fact, he was the one that initiated all this crap. But Enlil is the title of not only his brother, the prince, another prince, the younger half-brother prince, but also his stepfather. Remember, he was born of a virgin birth to the queen. So the, the, the father, the king, is really not his biological father. You know, you see this played out in the movie uh, Thor on Asgard. Hmm. You see Thor is the half-brother of Loki, who is adopted. I mean, this is really stupid, the way they twist it. It's like, Hollywood does this to everything, but they make Loki into this, you know, sort of lovable rogue character and how he's being, you know, he's getting the short end of the stick and uh, Odin is is very much always, you know, uh, he he favors Thor because that's his actual son, whereas Loki is this shape-shifting troublemaker that they adopted. It's not quite like that, but again, they just want to control the narrative. And the bottom line is this. this West Henry didn't understand. when I. This is one of the reasons I, I reached out to him. It's possible. It actually makes sense to me anyway. The, one of the key missing ingredients in why Lucifer or Enki would attack his own family is because he went crazy. And nobody else was looking at it like that. I had a hard time even checking, in, I mean, uh, accepting that was the reality. Or in other words, putting all the pieces together in a way that in the proper context that I could have some clarity and then share it with other people. You know, believe it or not. And, and again, this is speculation, but this actually makes sense. This is plausible. It doesn't mean that it's confirmed. But we know that when a person or even a household pet, when, when, can, when they're infected by parasites, let's say, for example, and I told you this before, I'm going to say it again. When a dog a loving, loyal part of your family, a dog, gets rabies, which is a parasite. It goes crazy. It doesn't recognize you anymore. becomes vicious and dangerous. On some level, that's, I know it's a terrible analogy because obviously Enki is not a, he is not a dog. Uh, not even close. But the, but the bottom line is, somehow he got infected. As I was saying before, this is part of one potential explanation why he went crazy. Now, if he did, if what Norman Paulson was told by benevolent human extraterrestrials in the 50s, 1950s, that Lucifer had and his crew had gone insane and, and became destroyers of the world, it would make sense that when he returned home at some point to the court of Orion, his parents said, you're unfit to rule. Someday you, I mean, you, if you were healthy, you would someday you would be, you would no longer be a prince. You would become, you know, king of the empire. But it would be irresponsible for them to, to even consider that. We don't like your crazy ideas. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, we know this is one of the things about this type of behavior, this particular infection of our soul or consciousness is that it causes a person to become psychopathic and that is the opposite of empathic meaning that they no longer feel any emotions in themselves or others they cannot feel relate to emotions in other people which makes them very good at manipulating other people 
Mm, around yes, them. that is so, so they true. Rise. So true. Sorry? Oh, that is yeah, I'm just saying that's so true. So many people, um, especially these like corporate people, they have this like selfish, um, self-centered complex, uh, narcissistic, um, sociopathic, and they're able to just step on other people for their own success. I see it left and right. Yeah, because they, it's easy for them to rise up the ranks by stepping on everybody else. They feel nothing uh, when they do that. So, yes, you're right. Narcissism, sociopathic behavior, uh, but psychopath is like the, the worst case scenario. So, uh, again, I said evil is, I define it, evil is an infection of one's consciousness or soul. And it's a dissonant patterning of energy or consciousness. So... Um, and it is infectious, and there are various levels or degrees of infection, just like any other infection. You can be a little bit sick or you can be terminal, you know, with this particular illness. And it is an illness. Infections are real. And so, um, but we're talking about something that is non-physical. These parasites are thought forms even in the matrix. However, what they've done is create a, uh, uh, an extension of themselves that is that we could call physical technology that is archontic in nature. And it's, it is parasitic, but it's, it's a technology. So smart dust, black goo, uh, a chemtrail, nanobot, whatever you want to call it, that's all coming from uh, Lucifer and his, um, his uh, minions here. Yeah, those two topics, the uh, chemtrails and the smart dust and, and this uh, yeah. black, black goo stuff I've been hearing about, um, it's so scary and just demonic on every level. You hear about the stuff being sprayed on people and they start growing like spider legs and crab legs out of their skin. It's really eerie, yeah. really disturbing. Yeah, right. So um, if you go to my website, <laughs> I hope you people take advantage of this because I don't know. At some point... Um, well, it's not going to be there forever. Obviously, nothing's forever. But um, I do think that the Internet is going to be changed dramatically, as, especially as we move in, if they are able to move us into 5G and artificial intelligence or synthetic life forms start to become more prominent. Uh, censorship is going to increase. And um, it also the level of danger for any biological system as such as we know it, okay, uh, is going to be extremely difficult. So... Um, I'm not going to wear an implantable device, you know, it's, and, and uh, I don't want to be radiated <laughs> to death. So I'm, there's, you know, I'm just going to have to figure out another way to exist. If I want to stay in the matrix, I'm going to have to do other things. So um, I won't be putting up or administrating a website. I won't be hosting a show through the Internet that was originally developed by the Pentagon and um, <laughs> controlled by them to some extent to serve their own purposes, which is surveillance and manipulation. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm seeing it, especially these past, I would say, five, six months. Uh, once again, mm -hmm. going on the social media, uh, so many people talking about these shadow bans where they don't even ban you anymore. They just let you keep tweeting stuff out. But the thing mm -hmm. is, nobody's seen it. They're just letting you right. go out there and work and not... God, that's so manipulative and just wrong at every level, having people waste their energy like that. Who has a right to do that to anybody else? Uh, well, it's 
Okay, because we agreed to certain things when we came in here. Most of us forget the contract coming in, the rules of the game. And uh, whose, whose game is it? You know, the thing is, I, I'm sure we were baited. It's not like we were kidnapped. I, you know, it's, <laughs> although I think most of the souls that chose to come here were still very young and naive and simply didn't understand the implications. Uh, how could we? But the reason that benevolent ones are allowing this matrix to persist as long as it has is because it actually serves a purpose. A divine purpose, which is that we could never, as souls, as divine seeds of light, could never have experienced this type of, these challenges, these obstacles, actually give us opportunities to learn and grow in ways that we would never have experienced outside this matrix. One thing that I did after our first interview together is, you know, I kind of got into a little bit, um, started seeing things, connecting dots. And one thing that I learned about was this woman, Jinx Dawson, that was from a band named Coven, uh, like one of the original <laughs> dark sort of bands. It wasn't really heavy metal. It was kind of like a precursor to it. But, oh, my yeah. God, I, I listened to this old interview on a, on a, with this guy, Clyde Lewis, who's, uh, you know, very popular in the... Yes, in the, I know. Oh, I know okay. who he is. Okay. Yeah, um, amazing interview. And what I learned from that was that these Luciferians, they pretty much started that whole satanic music industry thing, and they're pretty sure. much in control of the whole thing. God, that's disturbing. All my favorite Ooh. bands are almost, maybe almost all of them. <laughs> Well, I, I, it's funny when you say pretty much. Uh, try entirely all of the mainstream media. Uh, it's it's all. It was started by him, them, and controlled by them uh, from the very beginning up until now to control us, to manipulate us. Think, see, the thing is, it's not entertainment. It's entrainment. They are entraining our brainwaves, our consciousness. They are manipulating it to... To, beha- to behave or react in a certain manner that serves their agenda. They want us to be agitated constantly so that they can feed off of that, but also to keep us distracted so that we don't have an awakening or epiphany or so-called enlightenment. Which I, Let's get to that really quick, okay, because I'm going to just run this by people. Um, uh, uh, one of the, So, I, as I said, I've been exposing the dark side for a while now, and, um, and some of these things are really clear to me, but I know it's kind of new to a lot of people. So, uh, I was again, I suggest you read, go to my article section and start with that first. Scroll down until you see the um, meet our covert controllers, the Archons. That's the first one. The second one is the birth of the Archons. The third one and final one in the series about exposing the Archons is uh, called uh, Antidote, the Antidote for Archons. And it sounds overly simplistic, but it, it really isn't. And I know, Daniel, you've heard me say this before, and some of you in this audience have heard this too, but it's, it's true. Being calm, kind, and creative actually helps connect us not only to each other, but to the cosmos outside the matrix. And this is really very key because when we do that, it, it actually um, makes us less attractive to being manipulated by the archons. Uh, in other words, they, it's, like, it's sort of like mosquito repellent. Um, in that, or a bug zapper, as we start to con- reconnect with each other, and more importantly with this cosmos, which I was shown before uh, when, when I was younger, uh, was it actually looks like a web of light. There is no darkness in it. And when we connect with the web, um, 
it actually increases our frequency and our abilities are of you know information and sensitivity and uh, um, it makes us less vulnerable to manipulation and they know it so they just they just move on to somebody else that's more vulnerable more easily manipulated and that's just one level that's just the beginning it's actually pretty simple I, I know again it sounds overly simplistic but calm being calm when everybody else is freaking out in a crisis is very difficult being kind when others are cruel also very difficult being creative uh, not so difficult, but some people actually find it very challenging. But, I mean, you start s- small. I mean, it doesn't matter. Anything. Just being creative. It, what it does is it changes your uh, thoughts, your thought patterns to being positively creative or resonant. And um, as opposed to dissonant or destructive. Because, you know, if you think about it, when you look at, like, as you were saying before about music, you look at, turn on the television any, on anything, and it seems like they're constantly agitating and, and wanting us to be angry and destructive or violent uh, or jealous or all these negative things. So if you take time out and unplug from that and do anything that is creative, anything, um, it, it, it changes the, the energy patterns around you, in you and around you. And it is infectious, actually. All of those things I say, if you can do that on a daily basis, it, it actually not only affects you in a positive way, but it, it, it starts to affect people around you. Um, the next level up, the more advanced level, is to practice a type of yoga. It's called Kriya Yoga. And it's not a religious thing. Although some people would see it that way i'm here to tell you it's not it's a it's part of a spiritual science it's a process or a protocol that i uh unintentionally or I, it felt accidental but in uh september 21st 1985 when i had that weird experience uh, that out-of-body experience on the mountain in malibu i was saying om and i was saying it for a very long period of time without being distracted and so in order to do this, you would ha- you don't have to be on a mountaintop, but you need to be someplace where you're calm and you're focused only on that. And you can't be distracted by other things or, or other people. So however you get to that space, uh, that's, that's a key part of what I'm about to tell you. So the next thing is, as you're being calm and, and focused or com- being comfortable with yourself, and you're saying OM, it's not a word. It's not a name. It's a sound. It's just a sound. And um, why is it important to do that? Well, because if you if you say it correctly and long enough, what happens is that you're focused on just focusing on the sound. It's a particular frequency that allows you to tune into or resonate with the cosmic web. Now, um, one of the books in my library, one of the actually it's the first book in, in my library. As you scroll down to that lower section, past West Penray, past the Divine Secret Garden, there's there's a bunch of book covers there. And you can click on those, they're free. They're just they're just there for you to download. It's called the Holy Science. And what it'll it'll just give you more information about what what I'm giving you here in summary. The sound as we can perceive it of well think of it this way. You know we say a babbling brook Right, the the sound. There's a sound associated with a stream or a river, or right, and um, like a rushing river as opposed to a babbling brook or whatever. The waves crashing. Those are the sounds of water. The the 
analogy is that this the web of light is comprised of um, uh, an infinite number of smaller to larger tributaries. Like, okay, so on the planet we know that a stream feeds into a river which feeds into the ocean. The same is true for this web of light. It constantly has a circulatory pattern. So, And some of the tributaries or arteries are very small. Others are very large. Some of them are pooled up into lakes or rivers or, well, I mean, sorry, oceans, whatever. So, But the goal is to tap into, now in this book, Holy Science from India, it talks about by doing this very, it sounds very simple, but it actually takes some effort. actually takes quite a bit of effort to do this correctly. What, what happens is we disconnect from the matrix, that lower frequency and associating with all the physicality and the, you know, the insanity that goes along with this, this matrix. If we can focus long enough on it and make this sound, we actually tune in, much like a radio tuning into a, a particular station. As we tune into that frequency, that sound, we start to merge with it on a soul level. And, the, and you will have an out-of-body experience or what it feels like or going out of the body when, in fact, we're just disconnecting from the matrix and retreating back. Our soul is, is no, it's like letting go of the remote connection with the matrix and it's reconnecting with this web of light. Now, in the book, it's described as a river of light. That is the, that is the original, correct meaning of baptism of spirit baptism of spirit or being born again in spirit is exactly what i just told you it's not about being dipped in the water of a river that is a complete distortion i think it was created specifically to confuse people but what i'm telling you is is accurate because i've experienced it i know this for a fact uh and it was um as I said, when I did it, I thought I, I didn't, it wasn't like a conscious thing. It was more of like a, an instinct, an instinct. But it did happen. And now I can explain to you what, what you know, what it is, how, how you do it. Um, and uh, it's been coming up a lot lately in the emails I've been getting because people mm. uh, realize that I, they've watched some of these interviews I've done specifically about how to leave the matrix. Or, first of all, that we're in a matrix. First, you have to realize that you're in a matrix before you can make a decision to leave it. And then there's these steps you need to take. Um, so part of it is pretty damn simple, actually. Uh, we, we made an agreement coming in, sort of like enlisting in the Army. You know, you, if you go AWOL, there's a penalty. Uh, same is true for here. When you come in, we agree to a certain time frame. And if you violate that, it's breaking a contract, and it's it's it becomes it's a mess. Yeah, one thing that I talk quite a bit about on this show, um, it's just kind of like an intuitive thing. I'll always mm-hmm. say like, I'm this is my mission here. I'm I'm doing my mission. <laughs> I'm trying to like wake people up. I'm doing what yeah. I feel in my heart, what I'm supposed to do. Almost like I have this feeling that I I signed a contract at some point before I was born to come here and do, do what I'm doing. Well, okay, that that could you know what. I'm sure the contract said something. You know, all right. In a regular life, when somebody offers you a contract, you know you can amend it. Before you sign it, you could say, I don't like this clause. I want to amend this clause or redact it entirely. And then the person you're negotiating with or people 
will say uh, yes or no to that. And if so, then you cross it out, you initial it, they initial it, and then you sign it and so on. It's Everything's negotiable. Everything's a deal. <laughs> it's all about making a deal. Um, <laughs> the but heart, the I heart don't of the think, deal. <laughs> yeah, it's, it really is. It, it, but it's more than that. It's like, uh, okay, so it's not really the military. It's uh, I think of it more as a classroom. And that's why it's that's why it is allowed to exist or persist as the way it does, uh, because our parents know where we are. Our true parents, the true creators, do not need us to worship them. They are our parents. We are family. You don't worship your family. You love them, but you don't directly worship them. Uh, the word actually means to work for. We don't work for our parents. We live with them, we love them, we respect them, but, you know, I mean, this whole thing about religion is a, is a construct that was put into the matrix uh, so that we, we would be more subservient, more easily manipulated by Enki and his people. Um, but the bottom line is this, when we come in, it's like a, it is a classroom in setting in the sense that we have, or constantly being challenged. We're taking these tests, and as we pass one test, we move to the next level, and there will be another test, and so on and so on. At some point, we graduate uh, because there's just nothing left here for us. We have mastered the different levels. We've passed enough tests that we are now, um, you know, we've earned our degree of mastery over the matrix. Uh, you know, think of it. In a, in a video game, there's always, when, you, when you've got to the end of one level, well, now you just kick it up a, a notch. You've, you know, you, you, you go to the next level of d- difficulty. I don't, I'm not a gamer, but I'm just, I'm sure a lot of people in this audience would know what I'm talking about because, you know, video games are very popular. Um, flight simulators are the same way. When you start off, I'm not a pilot either, but I've been told this, that you start off at a very, very simplistic level. They don't give you the hardest level. It's not like they fly you into turbulence right away. You know, you, you got to start off with something easy before you come out, become acclimated and you can actually start to take on the more difficult challenges. So, um, you know, what's interesting uh, about that is that when these, uh, I I think we talked about this a little bit last time, but when these, um, archons or entities or whatever they are, are attacking your mind, it does seem once you get past their first little set of illusions, they have another set just right there waiting for you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's really weird. I know. But, but see, if you, again, if you use the video game analogy, it's, that's just the way it is. It makes sense. I mean, it's like art imitating life, but everything here is really just a, it's, it's not real. It's a virtual reality, but it has a certain protocol. And it's very predictable, too. See, that's the other reason why they don't want us to know these things, because then they cannot manipulate us as easily, and therefore we will not worship or work for them. And we're, we're not beneficial to serving their agenda. So, um, not... They'll not just leave us alone. If we if they think we're too much of a threat, they'll just kick us out. Um, so this is why I encourage people that if you're, if you're here and you think you're going to be here for a while, there's steps you can take to emotionally disconnect. So in other words, you become more neutral, more of an observer. And that's not a small thing. The observer does affect the outcome. We know this from the slit experiment in science. Um, we are always affecting our environment, even if we think of ourselves as just being an observer or remaining neutral. What I, what I am curious about, 
it seems like these Luciferians, they they have a very clever way of recruiting. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit about the satanic music industry. That really seems to get in young people's heads. Like, um, one yep. person I can think of in particular is Marilyn Manson. I remember in high school, a friend of mine was super into Marilyn Manson and was actually starting to kind of take on his satanic sort of beliefs. And probably appearance, too, right? Didn't he do some of that goth-looking crazy stuff? Y- yes, this person did become uh, very gothic, or, or was already gothic when I met them. Oh, okay. So it's a brand, it's it's a way of, um, it's like tribal or uh, pack mentality. So you can fit into the pack or group, um, tribe, whatever. You know, uh, I was watching a video yesterday about why modern music is so awful, um, and it, it was giving scientific reasoning for it. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting. My son didn't agree. But anyway, what it said was that uh, even if a song is really not very good, and the metric for that being like not dynamic, uh, uh, the lyrics being very repetitive and stupid or just, you know, childish, uh, what this guy said, and there was something, uh, a scientific name for it, I'd never even heard this before, but if you listen to a song, even a song you like now, the first time you listen to it, you probably didn't think it was very good or you didn't like it very much. But the more you hear it, the more you think you like it. And it's something to do with familiarity. Uh, also because we tend to overlay certain emotions or thoughts on a song. Like, So if you're doing something pleasant, when you first hear the song, the next time you hear it, it'll trigger that memory of what you were doing when you first heard the song. Even years and years and years later, it brings you right back to it because our subconscious is basically recording everything. Whether we're aware of it or not, it just is. So, uh, yeah, it's um, a lot of that stuff becomes ingrained. As I said, it's entraining our brainwaves. It causes them to p- a certain pattern of brainwave to uh, exist or manifest. And the study of that is called cymatics, actually. It's uh, wave patterns are uh, everything. It's everywhere. It's everything that we think of as this reality is just wave patterns um, interacting with one another. So, yeah, they they know that this is a a way um, that they can easily manipulate us through music. Is the uh, Christianity, most specifically the Catholic religion, do the people within the high levels of the Vatican, do they, are they in on this? I've heard that they're Luciferians. Do they, do they know what's <laughs> going on? Are they helping with the plan? I can't speak for them. Um, if Father Malachi Martin said that that was the case. I think he actually said Satan was in the inner sanctorum of the Vatican uh, that's to him, from his perspective. I mean, this guy was pretty high up there. Um, he certainly would have known. And to say that, I think it's why they killed him. But um, so, yeah, I do think that some of them must know, but they would never admit it publicly. I do think that they will be in on the very play a very important role in the so-called disclosure or the second coming, the new uh, the arrival or the return, actually, I should say, of the gods of our ancestors. You know, because you think about it, Vatican Catholicism 
it, it traces its roots back to Babylon. And those particular gods are, are co-equal to the Sumerian and Akkadian gods uh, of that particular region. And that's why everything seems to be centered around the Middle East. It's because that's where it started. Or I should say the current matrix was administrated from that particular location on this planet. Have you heard of these guys, David Wilcox and Corey Good? <laughs> yeah, of course I've heard of them. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, like I was saying, I was trying to connect certain dots, and I couldn't help but notice yeah. they're really pushing this uh, something going on in Antarctica, uh, ancient astronauts or allies of man. It, it seems like could they possibly be in on this Luciferian plan to deceive us all? Well. Look, all of us are vulnerable to manipulation, especially people that are uh, speaking publicly or writing. In other words, anyone of us that is reaching out to the public and has the potential to shape public opinion is vulnerable, if not directly targeted by the archons. And so... mm, yeah, not just David Wilcox, David Serrata. Wilcox was living in um, Topanga Canyon for a period of time in Malibu. And uh, that's actually where I came into the world this lifetime. That's where my parents were living when I, I was born. But uh, um, it's not a good place. It's it's very much controlled <laughs> by, in my opinion, based on my experience and research, it's like that's it's, it's a very much controlled on Malibu and, and Hollywood is a stronghold for the Archons or the Luciferians. Uh, so it's, and you know, you know who else was there? It was Castanetus. Carlos Castanetus, not his real name. His first couple of books, he was living in, in Topanga Canyon in a rental property uh, when he wrote those books. And I'm sure that he was being influenced as well uh, by the dark side. Um, yeah, David Serrata is another guy, also was in Topanga for a while, claimed yeah, you that you he know, had... Uh, a- I had David on... Oh, sorry to interrupt you, but I had David okay. on, and he was telling me about when he when he lived down there, and I guess he was good friends with Pamela Anderson. That kind of dropped my jaw. He's right in there with those circles and stuff like that. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, well, that's no, that's typical, because anybody who lives in Malibu for any length of time, you bump into people like that. Um, I'll tell you who else lived in Topanga Canyon for a while, uh, was... Uh, David Carradine. Oh. And the guy that allegedly hung himself, I Kung think, Fu. in Thailand or something. Yeah, the Mr. Fright. Uh, Kung Fu. Um, <laughs> Kung Fused, uh, that guy. He was really, took a lot of drugs. His dad was a heroin addict when he was born. I'm trying to think of his name. There's another actor, uh, Carradine. Uh, Carradine uh, oh, yeah, I know he has the brother, Robert, but I don't, I don't know who the dad is. He's a creepy looking dude. I mean, he was a good actor. He had a really deep voice. Sort of reminded me of, uh, well, in any case, and the bottom line is, he, he was born into a Hollywood family um, and uh, a lot of drugs, a lot of distortion. And uh, who and so, like, David Carradine ended up allegedly hanging himself. Another person lived in Topanga King was Robin Williams. Another guy that hung himself. Um a lot of suicides, a lot of drug abuse, a lot of weird, just violent stuff. You know, Pam Anderson was another one. She, um, uh, uh, Tommy Lee, supposedly beat the crap out of her. Uh, I wouldn't doubt it. 
just like you had um, Mel Gibson also beat the crap out of his, his girlfriend. Yeah, when there. she was holding a baby, jeez. And also um, um, Madonna and Sean Penn allegedly got into it. And I, I understand this happens in different communities, but, I mean, the level of this stuff that I've documented, I mean, that's what I'm working on. It's, it's taking a long time to put it together. This is a really, it's a mess. But anyway, getting back to David Serrata, he claimed that he was, you know, uh, allegedly contacted by Jesus. See, he he thinks that that light being that came to him when he was having this, he was had, you know, fever, he damn near died because he was, whatever was going on with him at that moment while he was staying in that property in Topanga. Uh, he claims he's absolutely adamant that it was Jesus. And that's why he wrote those books, supposedly promoting whatever I haven't read them, but, you know, I say all the religions, as far as I can tell, on this world at this time are, are some extension of that Luciferian agenda. Yeah, I don't I don't doubt it at all, and that's what I've been noticing. Um, you, know, you, you kind of pointed out last time that in the Bible it's all Father, Father, our Father, and apparently and Lord. Lord, yeah, Lord, they say that a lot, which is, that's another word for Archon. It, it's all about kind of getting down on your knees. In fact, when you go to ch- church... They tell you to get down on your knees, just like you're, yeah. you know, you're submitting. It's very, it's to get you to submit. There's a lot of that in there. Yep. I, I just can't imagine a, a religion that's trying to further us and, and get us to a better spiritual place would be telling us to submit to anything. Yeah, if you want to see an example of how how wrong it can religion here gets, uh, uh, if you have Netflix, check out this new documentary called Wild Wild Country about the Rajneeshis. It's it's mind-boggling. It really is. Um, how a personality like that, that's obviously he's possessed, or he's a walk-in, or shapeshifter, or something. Um, and Okay, I'll just be very straight with you. Um, there is something that is well-known in the mental health profession, that insanity is contagious. If you remember what I say, you know, about evil behavior, it's also contagious for, on a spiritual level. Well, they don't know the mechanism in the mental health profession, but here's what, here's what I found out. They say that when a person is psychotic, that they can then infect or affect the consciousness of another individual that's close to them. So if you're suffering from psychosis and you then infect or affect one or more other people, that's called hysteria. And we see that. We see that in cult behavior. And it isn't just cult religions. We see this all the time in political campaigns, so-called parties. They are cults, um, which is covens. They are the same thing. You always have to have a charismatic leader who's psychotic, suffering from psychosis, that then um, infects or affects a group of people. And the power structure is always a hierarchy or a pyramid. You have the particular individual charismatic leader at the top of the group or cult, party, whatever. And, and anyone or everyone who is closest to the top is the, you know, representing the hierarchy, the top of the pyramid, and everybody else underneath that is the foundation or support group. And, of course, there's certain people that 
individuals that rise closer to the top and they're all infighting for control or power uh, of that particular pyramid or hierarchy. But And that's why I don't belong. I refuse. I choose not to uh, belong. It's not like anybody can force me to become part of any political party or philosophical or religious group, but uh, I've been offered, that, you know, obviously it's everybody's being tempted to to join one side or the other of whatever particular conflict. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that, that Luciferian stuff, it's kind of, I kind of see how they get people. Basically, they tell you, like, you're this god. Who, who would not mm. want to go with that? Who wouldn't want to, uh, you know, go with that empowering sort of mentality? I can really see how they hook people in. Well, yeah, I mean, and but there's also favors that are given if this is part of the deal. If you like, if you support us, if you work for us, if you worship us, we will give you, uh, you know, fame, money, power, control, sex, drugs, you name it. And but it's temporary, and it, it's not free. You have to earn it. And if you fall out of favor with them, they will crush you. And ultimately, they'll crush you anyway they just don't tell you that that's part of the test you know they call it the tame the test of fame and fortune most people here fail because it's it's all a trick to begin with and you can see it too one second it's this politician everybody's bearing him then they move on the next guy to rose yep. up in front of everybody you totally see it yeah because they put him on a pedestal and they said show us the way and then if they 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 don't which they never do because um, it's the blind leading the blind, ultimately they'll crucify him or her for whatever reason. And uh, I mean, even if they are showing him another way, they're saying, show us a different way. Okay, here, let's go this way. Yeah, well, then the opposition is, is constantly trying to knock them down. So it's a fool's errand. There isn't, there's no resolution to that. It just perpetuates the matrix. And But it's just like when you're in school. Look, you take a test. You pass. Now you're going to take a more difficult test that you hopefully will pass only to take a more difficult <laughs> test. And, um, and then what? I mean, you know, you, at some point you stop taking the damn test and now what? You're smarter. I mean, you certainly have learned something and you've earned a degree of mastery, but then you have to go out into the real world and apply that. And I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen or is happening to uh, the souls here at various degrees. Not everybody's going to graduate or earn the highest master's degree in the matrix. But that's fine. It's their choice. It's all about free will. Always has been, always will be. So when a person's had enough or a soul's really gotten to a level that that's it for them, fine, you're done. If you're ready to move on and leave, fine. Hopefully you won't retrograde and or stay here thinking that, you know, and that is the problem. That's the only reason that there's been any intervention at all here by our divine benevolent family is because some of us have actually gotten stuck here. Now, this Illuminati, are they what many accuse them of being? Is this a, uh, a bloodline? Is this a bloodline, a hybrid bloodline going back to ancient times, possibly coming from one of these uh, Anunnaki families? Yeah, specifically it comes from Enki. It's his bloodline that he, he inserted in here. Like I said, he did this genetic manipulation, but the, the, 
the beings, the entities here that serve him at the very top have the uh, more of his genetic blood makeup than the rest of us. It was an insurance policy. He did it that way. He thought it would ensure loyalty, but it doesn't really work like that because uh, the DNA is, is not our soul. It just isn't. Um, so he made a mistake there. I mean, he's like I say, he is highly intelligent, but he's also extremely disturbed. If I understand this correctly, he's um, he's suffering from multiple personality disorders, so you never know what you're going to get. He is a shapeshifter as well, so he can make himself or he can appear any way he wants to us. I mean, whatever works. You know, he's very good at manipulating. Uh, well, again, they call him the father of all lies. So uh, one of the, the, the things, though, people ask me, what, what are you talking about? Is he Jesus? Who is he? No. I mean, yeah, he's all of these things. He can be any or all of these things or some iteration of it. I mean, his one of his sons is um, Marduk, uh, also known as Ra, also known as Satan. So he's playing He's playing us. They are playing us. Usually they, they want us to compete against each other divide and conquer so we we constantly are divided and distracted and deceived by them and um i think you mentioned this before they're really not omnipotent but they like to pretend they are at least here in the matrix they can get away with that could this reptilian thing be a little bit of a deception then perhaps oh yeah yeah absolutely i mean it's uh, just another bogeyman um, we're, like I said, we're all related. It doesn't matter if it's insectoid or reptoid or anything. All DNA, think of it, it's not male, female, reptile, mammal, all this. It's DNA. It can be, it's all of those things. Ah, good it point. can be anything. It's in everything and it's all related. It all came from the same source. And it all, it all is connected through these, um, the web of light. And the web of light here has been badly damaged and distorted. Uh, we're see a version of it, a really crappy version of it. We're using to speak to each other right now. The internet. The, remember, it was called the World Wide Web originally. They 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 killed that name early on because they didn't want they didn't want to have, give a clue as to what this is. It's a copy of the Web of Light that exists outside of the Matrix. Uh, so, but anyway, it's a it, like I said. This is a really bad copy, and I should I shouldn't really. But the the matrix is uh, layered; it's nested, like you know those those Russian dolls, kind of one inside the next. Okay. The larger, mm. yeah, the larger one, you have the smaller one inside a smaller one, smaller, and so there is different levels to the matrix. It isn't just one thing. Um, and so when you are, you have more access, in other words, when you have more, uh, when you have a, a higher degree of purpose here, when you're serving the agenda, you have more access to the deeper levels. So there's levels above us and there's levels below us where we're at right here. So, and that's what most people think of as heaven and hell. Those souls that have been in this matrix for far too long, they're conf they're really confused by that. And it does sound like there is a grand plan here. Things are going to get a lot worse. The matrix is going to actually increase its grip on us. 
Is that true? It'll try. It'll try, yes, because it, this is a time when, um, from 1987 to 2012, there was a, a great awakening because the energy was were shifting here, even though it's in the, it's, we're still in the matrix. There's a, there's a region of space that we had to pass through. So there's a, there's a shift in the, um, the energies here, and it was causing people to wake up. So anybody that has survived or was born at, after 2012 is just not the same as anybody that was, you know, bef- before that period. And it's only increasing. And the Luciferians know this, and they realize that more and more and more of us are going to wake up and see what the reality, uh, so-called fake news, that's just part of it. You know, the, everything is being exposed whether it be economic or religious or political or military, all everything, everything. The media has obviously been exposed. Um, the stuff with the the pedophilia, my God, is it disturbing and dark? And that really it's not new though. Come, yeah. It's not new. No, they think about it. They used to Babylon, yeah, Babylonian times. Uh, what was it uh, Moloch or Baal? They would sacrifice children, living children. They would toss them into this fire and burn them to death alive. It, it, to sacrifice to the gods, the Luciferian gods, and I told you the same thing was. So they substitute children for uh, with uh, animals um, at some point, but it's, it was still the same thing. It was that's what it was all about. Then they stopped doing that, and um, uh, at some point it was it was altered a bit. Uh, I, I don't know exactly how to say this, except that. They no longer officially, publicly sacrificed. But the sacrifices had to continue, and it's being done covertly, and now we're finding out about it. Oh, that is it's, just it's so not disturbing. Just, it's <laughs> not just sex. That's all I'm trying to say. Still there, Robert? Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, good. It's cut out for one second. Yeah, it's uh, really disturbing, I mean, obviously, for obvious reasons, but it, it does indeed feel like you know, not necessarily even Pizzagate. Um, I just see so many more and more people that are aware of what's yeah. going on, and eventually this is going to yeah. hit a breaking point, and the public's going to demand something be done about it, yet the mainstream media doesn't touch it. Well, of course not, because they're controlled. They're not independent media like we are, but they are the mainstream, so they still have um, a greater influence over the minds, hearts and minds of the masses. And that's by design. So, you know, a lot, the pedophilia go, goes across um, all sectors of our society. In other words, the most powerful people, usually men, are compromised, whether they wanted to or not. They have, find themselves in, uh, being compromised by the deep state, shadow government, Luciferian, Illuminati, whatever you want to call it. They've been compromised. Um, they made some very bad choices, and so now they, this is hanging over their head. And, uh, you know, that, that Dutch banker made it very clear that that's how things work. They they can bribe people and blackmail them, and they do it all the time routinely to make sure that people are loyal to the system, whether they want to be or not. Now, in the future, what what's going to happen? It's my understanding that Lucifer is going to try to pull some mass de- mass deception. Uh, could you fill us in a little bit on how that's going to play out? 
Well, yeah, there'll be some sort of crisis that he comes in to solve under the guise of being the, the Messiah, the second coming. And uh, I don't know if he'll call himself Lucifer, Anki, or Jesus, or Maitreya, or whatever. It doesn't really matter, but it'll be sanctioned by, like I told you, it's going to be, uh, yeah, it'll be sanctioned or authorized by the Vatican, the United Nations, the Pentagon will support it, um, because, well, the, and the media, obviously, is going to cover it in a way that it's going to boggle my mind. I know because they're so, such puppets to begin with, they'll do whatever they're told. But it's going to be a huge sales job, uh, like an ad campaign like you've never seen before, and because uh, it'll be global. And um, a, lot of, a lot of souls will fall for it again. It's not, it won't be the first time. Because, you know, think about it. We're all programmed to, not all, but I mean, most of us have bought into the lie that we need to be saved. We're waiting for a savior to save us from, you know, our what originally our sins or whatever you want to call it. The world currently is a mess. So, you know, uh, we need help and it'll come just at the right time. And I, the only reason they're doing that is what I said before. They don't want us to wake up. And choose to leave. Or to actually change the matrix entirely. That would really be bad. If we just turned the tables on them and said, well, guess what? You know, you've been using us to do this, this, and this. Well, we're not going to do that anymore. Uh, we're the ones that are helping you to create it. And we're only going to do good stuff from now on. We're only going to be benevolent and uh, uh, sustainable, symbiotic, whatever. No more predatory deceptions. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, they would absolutely flip because they they can't do that. That's not their lifestyle. It's not the way that they exist. So yeah, that would be horrifying to them, and they actually fear that us waking up and um, going in a dir different direction. One thing that came to mind when you were talking about Lucifer's original amphibian appearance. There is actually yeah. a passage from Revelations that says, Then I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the <laughs> mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are spirits yeah. of demons performing miraculous signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. Yeah, he's, it's describing the Merovingian bloodline, the, the beast that, that mated with a uh, uh, human in order to create the Merovingian line, uh, family. Um, yeah, it's all about bloodlines. And uh, uh, th this is also very metaphorically uh, seen in uh, mythology, fairy tale, the you know, where the, the princess kisses the frog. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, you've no idea where that came from, right? <laughs> <laughs> So we see it again. Hollywood is promoting this. Um, the uh, Shape of Water. Oh yeah, very popular With, movie. Well, only because it had to be. It that's what that's one version of what Anki's family or his particular group looked like, and so and we had to. He had to be a sympathetic character. The woman has to fall in love with him and ultimately grow gills and become aquatic or amphibious herself. You know, he's also portrayed as a victim at the hands of those, you know, wicked humans. 
Uh, I haven't seen the movie. I just know enough about it to tell you that's straight up. That's that's just how it goes. Also, the the television show Lucifer, for sure, that was his idea. And uh, oh yeah, and, I watched some of that show, and and that character, and on that show, Lucifer, he gets the victim treatment massively. Yeah, and we're supposed to feel sympathy for him, sympathy for the devil. Um, but they they're. What they do, what he did with that was uh, further the Luciferian agenda by uh, inf- affecting the consciousness or the perception of of a certain generation that he's actually a good guy. He's a superhero. He's he's crime fighter. Uh, he punishes, you know, evil humans or wicked humans. Um, yes, he admits to starting the war in heaven. He said that was a really big mistake, and uh, he's suffering to this day for that. He he's sad that he can't go home. Um, but you know, they also they they w- worked very hard to demonize humans and humanize demons in that show. Uh, it is it's over now. It's, it did three seasons, very popular. Fox dropped it. There's talk about it being repicked up or you know reestablished on a different network or maybe Netflix or whatever. Uh, I watched it commercial free on Netflix uh, here in Hong Kong. I've seen every episode. It's uh, I only watched it as research, but it's it's really obvious that they were pre- doing predictive programming in there in that program. Uh, excuse me. Um, if you look at my article section under the Paddock Papers, you know Stephen Paddock, the sh- alleged shooter in Las Vegas. Um, if you you got to see that man. you got to see that article how it connects to stuff that they were actually showing us on television prior to that um on the show Lucifer oh my god is, yeah it's the oh god anyway the thing is it's all connected i know that's difficult for some people to say i was like wait a minute the conspiracy can't be that big i mean I'll, look i grant you something happened to jfk and his brother rfk whatever but i mean come on you're talking about everything Everything that's just really too much for most people to wrap their head around, and we're just not there yet. It, the 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 facade hasn't fully fallen yet, but it, we're close. It's we're really yeah. really close. Sometimes it seems like there's some kind of uh, synchronicity or something like that going on, where um, uh, you, you kind of see the plan that's going on. Uh, you might hear a song on the radio, or suddenly it feels like the radio or the TV is talking to you, or you could even be going <laughs> online and somehow you come across a message that almost seems like it was specifically for you. Well, sure, it's all interactive, it's interconnected, and the thing is, the more you recognize that, the more you'll, uh, the more it'll happen. It's called synchronicities. That's what the Celestine prophecy was all about. Even though it's it's a it's a fictional book or it's fictionalizing something very real, uh, so that's actually it's an old book, but it's a good one if you haven't read it, Celestine Prophecy. Um, but yeah, it's uh, look, everything is consciousness. Everything is has some animating force behind it. Even in the Matrix, it has to have some level of connectivity and consciousness. Or, like I said, what is that? Consciousness, energy, and matter. It's all waveforms. And uh, matter would be the the most dense waveform, the slowest or the lowest vibratory rate, ultimately to where it looks like it's standing still. 
even though it's, it isn't, it's just vibrating at a very, very, very low rate. All the m- molecules and atoms are, are rotating very slowly, spinning very slowly. But like I said, if you really break it down, you look at it, it's just these wave patterns, vibrations. And um, our consciousness is the key to all that. Or I should say our, our spirit is where all this is being generated from individually and collectively. And that's why we need to be more, take far more responsibility for our thoughts and our emotions because emotions are actually a form of consciousness. Yeah, it's really easy when things aren't going good for you to, to really be taken by anger or you really yep. have no control. And the more or fear. Yeah, the more fear and anger you feel, it feels like the less control you have over your life. Exactly. And that's exactly what they want us to be in. You know, and by the way, I'm not a man to this. I'm still struggling with it, just like everybody. Uh, on a daily basis, I, I do get attacked and challenged. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm very mindful of it. <laughs> These days, it's, uh, it's, it's still unpleasant. But it's easier for me to realize what's going on and then just take a deep breath and just focus on something else and say, okay, look, it's not coming from me. It's being directed at me. I am being targeted, but I don't have to make myself into a big target and say, oh, I'm a victim. Stop hurting me. You know, I'm a bad person. I'm being punished. (laughs) You know, I'm a sinner. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. I've, the, the way it seems to, the way I get attacked, and I'm sure uh-huh. this is the same for many others out there, um, they always seem to want me to be paranoid against other people. Yeah. They always seem to try yeah. to convince me that somebody's thinking this or that about me or right. they have some kind of... Right, right, right. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Yep, yep, yep. Again, it's about dividing and conquering. It's uh, It's a huge distraction, and it keeps us from working together and... and um, and also just feeling comfortable. And because I can say, okay, look, part of the reason I say be calm, being calm is because our DNA literally unwinds. Um, when we're not calm, when we're stressed out and pissed off, the DNA constricts and therefore the energy and or consciousness that flows through the DNA is, is far less. So I know calm sounds like, oh, What's that going to do? Well, it's, it's going to help you on a physical level to be more healthy, uh, but it also allows you to have greater connectivity through your DNA on that on that level. So um, think of it this way. It's like um, if we're talking about the Internet, the goal is to have greater connectivity to that, right, it's with your devices. You want full broadband connectivity in order to watch movies or whatever the hell you want to do on the Internet. Uh, and, but if you've got a crappy connection, like in the old days, it was really bad. You know, things can happen. I mean, dial up compared to broadband. So when you're really pissed off, stressed out, um, uh, and you know, just all those negative emotions and your DNA starts to constrict. Yeah. Your, your bandwidth drops off dramatically and it leaves you vulnerable. It makes you vulnerable to the uh, manipulation of these archons. So it seems that the ultimate game plan for for Lucifer, the the Archons, these negative beings, they want to put us 
even more so in the box. They want to uh, create uh, another one of these matrices nestled within a matrix and create an entire mm-hmm. VR world for us to occupy. Yeah, even more so. It's, it's more uh, separate and disconnected from the web of light. And this is why, so like if you know anything about the Internet, what we're doing now, we're only using a very small, it's like the tip of the iceberg. There is the, um, there's the deep web, and then there's the dark web. I'm not sure which is bigger or, but the bottom line is, it's like a, it's like a freaking iceberg. Where we're at now, this is just the surface of it. There's a much larger web below us. I mean, really dark, deep. And it's where all the Luciferians are doing, conducting all their affairs out, out of sight of the general pop, public. So, uh, but yeah, what they'll do is ultimately they'll open the gates to those that choose to be part of the singularity. That's what they're going to call it. It's part of the solution that will be offered to us, not just by our, you know, the latest, greatest scientific breakthroughs, which I'm sure are being uh, orchestrated. But part of the solution, too, is like when, when we hit this wall, whatever it is, financial crisis or whatever, uh, earth changes, climate, something or other, the, when the second coming of the extraterrestrial, the return of the gods, they'll, they'll offer us some kind of deal. And uh, some of it is already being talked about, you know, the secret space program. That was never our idea to begin with. That was a more bait to get certain certain ones of us to participate in this um, ongoing civil war, the war in heaven. It's as far as I can tell, they are grooming certain individuals to be um, the tip of the spear, so to speak. Oh, okay, um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So under false pretenses, you know, hey, you got to preserve humanity, you got to the earth, blah blah blah. You know, and this is how you're going to do it. We're going to help you. And, uh, uh, you know, William Tompkins, God bless him, I know he thought he was telling the truth. I don't think he was even close uh, to the real disclosure. That isn't going to happen. It's not going to – actual disclosure can't come from official sources because they're part of the problem and happened ever since the beginning of the administration of this current version of the Matrix. Yeah, it's so interesting because – you hear about these grays and planning people, and you also the latest thing is the chemtrails. It it appears yeah. that you don't even have to put an RFID chip or or a gray implant in, in a person's body anymore. Now you can just put it in the clouds, and these little nanoprobes yeah. rain from the sky, and they collect in our bodies, and they reform into little devices and things like that. Holy crap, this is scary. Well, there's no point in being scared about it. It just is. It's 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 important to be aware of it, but not dwell on it. Like I say, be, remaining neutral about it doesn't mean doing nothing. It just means not getting caught up in the pandemonium or hysteria of you know uh, I'm going to be a prepper today. <laughs> I need to you know it's like what you're in the matrix. What what do you think you're going to survive for? What yeah. they're not? Uh, yeah, okay, sure, you could physically survive, but you think it, somehow. You're just going to walk out of your bunker one day and it's going to be all peaches and cream and sunshine and roses? No. it's That's not going to happen, as far as I can tell. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Um, but I don't think so. Otherwise, I wouldn't even bother my, you know, speaking with you and doing my own radio show and website. I think it's important that we talk about these things now while there's still some time to actually make some well-informed decisions. Because that's really all we have is free will, is to make choices 
that are going to benefit us, not further serve this deceptive Luciferian agenda. Yeah, you know, that would be great if it turned into a Mad Max scenario post-apocalyptic, <laughs> because that would mean Lucifer lost. All this beautiful technology and civilization and the archons on Earth are gone. Now there's just criminal warlords out there. That would mean that he lost. So I guess you're probably right. Of course that's not going to happen. No, I mean, he's, he can't lose. It's his matrix. I mean, ultimately, he's in control. He's the puppet master. He's the, he, I should say he's the grand architect of the matrix. No matter what oh, happens, I mean, he could just basically hit reset. The damn thing will go back to whatever he wants it to do. No matter what happens, it can reset it and uh, wipe everybody's memory of where, what had happened in the previously. I mean, you know, think of it. If you're playing a video game and then you move to the next level, you're not thinking about the previous level. You're, you're so busy now on level whatever you're at, you're not thinking about the previous level or levels that you were on. And and so this this whole thing about ascension is also a trap. I'm sorry to tell people. I know this is probably going to generate some really angry email. But, uh, yeah, my understanding is that's just another level of enslavement or entrapment in, in the Matrix. It's very well designed. You're referring to the, the New Age sort of mentality? No, the ascension to a, a social fifth dimension on a new earth and all that oh, stuff. Oh, okay. I know what you're it's talking about. It's still the matrix. Yeah. It's still going to be the matrix. And the majority of the extraterrestrials that we're inter allegedly interfacing with here, either near earth or, you know, whatever, from far away through channeling or contact or whatever, they're all in the matrix too. Some of them admit that they know that hmm. um, in their writings. Yeah, actually they do. I mean, but they don't explain it fully the way I am. And the only reason I'm telling you this stuff is because, it, you know, over 30 years of research and experience of analysis, too. I don't just research this stuff. I analyze it, uh, and, and then I re-evaluate based on new information that comes in. So cross-referencing, whatever. Ultimately, I have to draw some conclusions. But again, I'm telling you, I'm being completely honest, this is still speculation. I can't prove these things. It's worth discussing. It's worth considering. Uh, hopefully, it'll be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there is quite a bit to research out there. I feel I've only barely scra scraped the tip of the iceberg myself, and uh, it, it, the rabbit hole just gets deeper and deeper. And yeah. I, I, I wish this stuff wasn't true, but the more I delve into it, the more I come come across Luciferians, 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 Luciferians. Yeah, yeah. And, but see, that's I know, but it's to see how rep you just said it. It's repetitive, and it's like different. The lies different at every level. It's the, the matrix is a mixture of good and evil, truth and light at every level. I think as you descend further into what some people might call hell, the lies are more prevalent. The evil behavior, the predatory behavior becomes more extreme. As you start to move up to the other, let's just call them higher levels, it's, it's less extreme. So, but it is a blending all across, all across things. It's, it's blending and, um, but outside the matrix, I don't think this it, this duality, all this insanity, manipulation that just that's not how it works. So while we're here, what I recommend, as I said before, is to to do your best to if that's what you want, is to connect to the cosmos outside the matrix. It's your divine birthright. It's where you came from. If you're a soul here, that's where you came from. You weren't born in the matrix. Your your soul isn't even fully here. It's just remotely connected to it. Um, 
it, it's because it really can't be here. This is it, it, the soul, the spirit is non-physical by definition. So because the matrix is based on physicality and and it's really synthetic and organic um non-physical seed of light would not flourish here. It could be connected to it remotely, like I said before. And that was a breakthrough, actually. When I read that, I thought, oh, my God, that that makes a lot of sense. That's, I mean, that just seems very plausible uh, as far as explaining the dynamic of how this damn thing works. Um, so, yeah, I, I just, the thing is, I research everything. I don't believe anything. I can't. I don't. I don't have the luxury of believing in things because that's just that's a that's a. <laughs> if you think about what I said, everything here is is good and evil, truth and lie. You how the heck would you know? How could we possibly know? Well, that's called discernment, judgment, whatever. Um, but it's still it's it's what uh, not what's it, uh, in the Divine Secret Garden. John Pinella says that we all have an, a divine internal guidance system that we have to trust in order to know or to feel when things are uh, not true or inaccurate. I think accurate is a much better word because truth is a very sort of like the word love. You know, it's like, hey, I love ice cream. I love my dog. It's like, well, okay. It's, it's not very accurate specifically. So what is accurate? What is authentic? That's what I'm looking for. That's what I like to share with people, or at least what I what I feel is that are those things. But that's really a challenge. It's a huge challenge. It's part of the test of being here. But um, as I say, that's why it's important at some point to start reconnecting with the web of light. Because when you do, just like look, when we connected this, sorry, when we connect to this internet, I just whacked my microphone. When, when we connect to the Internet, we have access to all kinds of information, right? When we connect to the web of light, we have access to an infinite amount of information or energy or emotion. It's like unbelievable. And, I mean, compared to what we're living here right now, it's so much better, so much stronger, faster, smarter, whatever you want to call it. it and it, I feel that that's a better choice for for souls. Um, but you know what? I've also been warned that um, don't be too concerned that as the Great Awakening happenings is happening here now and in the, in the near future, some souls are going to choose to stay. They want to experience the, what West Penry calls the machine kingdom. They eventually will become the greys. In other words, they're going to take on those avatars. They want to have the full experience of, uh, of being cyborg, being connected to a completely synthetic matrix. So, um, and that's their choice. And we have to honor it. It's because that's the, that is the prime directive. Is the uh, Luciferian matrix, is it suppressing our natural psychic ability? Yeah, you know, it's, that's a good question. Yes, it is. And But if you work for them, they will enhance it by, by uh. switching certain things back on and saying, look what we did for you. Now you do stuff for us. 
shoot, I think they may have done that to me. <laughs> well, they've done it. To, why not? They could do it to anyone, anytime. But there is a price. There is a price for that. And, uh, yeah. It, a lot. Oh, so that was one of the things about the show, Lucifer. If you look at my article there, that one conversation he had with the detective early on. And they're sitting at the paddock bar taking shots of tequila. And uh, the detective, who's from Malibu, says to Lucifer, she did, and throughout all three seasons, she's, she doesn't believe that he's really Lucifer. She thinks he's just pretending that he's kind of like crazy, but <laughs> yeah. he has this, yeah, up until the very, very, very last show. And she says, oh, my God, it's real. You're really Lucifer. Anyway, in the, the first season, she's sitting there at the bar. On, while she's on duty with other, and other Los Angeles police are in this fake bar that they call the paddock. Yeah. And uh, she says, so I don't know why anybody would take a deal with the devil. And he says, he looks at her really weird. He goes, they all take the deal. <laughs> <laughs> they always do. Like, you know, what's the matter? with? How could you even say that? Of course, everyone takes the deal. Uh, yeah, otherwise, well, in my opinion, that's we wouldn't even be here. Yeah, I was talking to a really intelligent guy named Robert Bruce, and um, he told me that these demonic entities, they, they can actually turn on certain chakras in your body and give you like a temporary psychic ability. And or physical strength um, or higher intelligence or whatever that they think that you particularly would appreciate so that you would then further worship or serve them and their agenda it's 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 not that complicated you know when you think about it yeah, it's just all yeah. covert that's the really insidious part about it is that they have to continue this crap covertly because if they were to be overt about it um a lot more of us would say well, hold on <laughs> I don't remember signing up for this, and if I did, I don't want to do this anymore. And when they play their tricks and games, you can get so confused and so down <laughs> on yourself. You just throw it all out and kind of just give up on the whole paranormal, supernatural thing. You just want to go to work yeah. and drink beer and watch football. Yeah, become quote-unquote normal. Yeah, that's there's always pressure to do that, to conform. Um, but... Uh, yeah, look, it's a test. It's a challenge. It's an opportunity, though. This, uh, the thing, just to be blunt here, um, there's two kinds of people in this matrix. Those that see themselves as victims and those who are survivors. Victims are very weak and always want to blame others for their behavior and their situation. Survivors are very strong and they always want to help empower them, not only themselves but others. Um it doesn't get any more simple than that. And, um, yeah. Yeah, this has been mind-blowing, to say the least, Robert. Uh, unfortunately, we are finally getting to the end of our interview. We've, we've gone quite long here. I do thank you so much for your time. But I, I do want to open things up one more time, let you just jump off, jump on that soapbox <laughs> one more time. Don't jump off anything. Jump on that yeah, soapbox well. <laughs> one more time if you would like to, and just say whatever you would like to say to finish up with my audience out there. And please follow that up with anything that you'd like to plug, Unicus Magazine, Radio, whatever you'd like to plug. Okay, well, um, my motivation for doing shows like this 
uh, and my website and ultimately my own radio show is because I love all of you because we're all family. And I remain optimistic despite all the nonsense we've just laid out here uh, exposing the dark side. Uh, it's, it's not omnipotent. They didn't create us. They can only control us to the degree that we permit it. And um, so my role is limited here, but while I am here, I do want to help empower as many souls as possible to make better choices based on hopefully authentic and accurate information. And that's what we're trying to lay out for you. Um, but I do appreciate your time. I've heard from a lot of you through email, and I and that's uh, I do appreciate that as well because it's important that I get some feedback as I go forward here. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's about it. So thank you for having me on, Daniel. Absolutely, Robert. Uh, you know, you're one of my favorite guests to talk to. Of course, you got me started, kind of <laughs> getting really deep into this Luciferian thing. Now I can't shut up about it. Unfortunately, but, <laughs> you know, I absolutely thank you for uh, getting me started on that. Really opened my eyes to a lot of things. And of course, I'd love to have you back on here again. Hopefully, the website's still up. Hopefully, the radio show's still going. Yeah, we'll see how long that goes for. But uh, in the meantime, yeah, keep up the good work, Daniel, and we will talk again. Thank you very much. I will talk to you again, Robert. You have a good night, my friend. Thanks, you too. Very, very cool. That was Robert Stanley, my friend, your friend, all of our friend. He is a super cool guy, just a good dude, very down-to-earth, very committed to his research. I highly recommend you check out his radio show. I was listening to it earlier, and I absolutely loved it. I mean, I love when he comes on here, so, of course, I'm going to like listening to his show when he actually hosts. But... As you can probably tell, I'm really jacked up on caffeine right now. I drink some of that Blue Mountain Dew, that Voltage style. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a little goblin that's really, really high on caffeine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead and take a break. I've got plenty of stuff to talk about. That was a great interview. Uh, one of the best, in my opinion. I know we say that a lot, but geez, the bar keeps raising higher and higher. Uh, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll come back. We've got a lot to talk about, a lot going on in the world. It's been a while since we've been on air. So I'm going to go ahead and take a winky, take a winky, take a winkle, take a twinkle. I'm going to go pee, and I'll be back. Welcome back to the end of days. It is I, it is I, your guy, Daniel. I love you guys. You are the wind beneath my wings. You do it for me. You get my groove going. It is all about you. The fans out there. Oh, my. We have so much to talk about. Why don't we go ahead and just talk about the elephant in the room? Uh, Maybe I shouldn't have said elephant with this person. She's been known to have a track record of having a little bit of a weight problem. Yes, I'm talking about Roseanne Barr. Roseanne Barr. Known at one time as Roseanne Arnold. And I know everybody's talking about this. I'm not bringing anything new to the table. But how could I not talk about something like this? How could I not talk about... <laughs> well, I've brought this up before. I've brought this topic up before. Not since the cancellation, but I've told you guys that I was a big fan of the new Roseanne reboot. I really liked it. I was really supporting Roseanne. But what can I say? She let me down. She let me down. She just couldn't stop, right? She just couldn't keep off of Twitter, giving her opinion. 
this is how she's gotten attention throughout her whole career. And she just pushed it too far one more time and really effed everything up. F? She really fucked everything up. That damn cunt. <laughs> no, she's not a cunt, but uh, maybe she is kind of a little bit. Uh, I almost didn't swear, and then I had to slap myself on the wrist. <laughs> I don't swear in my personal life. I do swear on End of Days Radio. Hell fucking yeah, I swear. What's the worst word than cunt? Is there one? Nothing's coming to me. Still thinking, still thinking. Nope, cunt's the worst word. I'm turning into one of those amphibian aliens. Okay, enough nonsense. But anyways, Roseanne. What the hell? For us conservatives out there, this is a huge blow. Roseanne was like our figurehead at one point, as sad as that is. And she just made all Trump supporters and all conservatives look like stupid racist fucks. And I don't appreciate that, Roseanne. I don't appreciate that, Roseanne. I don't appreciate you making me look like a racist piece of shit because I'm a conservative and a Trump supporter. I don't appreciate that shit. You're obviously racist. You're not fooling anybody. Come on. Calling somebody a cross between the Muslim Brotherhood and an ape? Not only did you say something racist, but you proved it by doubling it up, you dumb bitch. Why would you say something like that? Why would you put something like that out there with all that you have going on when you know you're working for ABC? which is pretty much Disney. Why would you do that? You just couldn't help yourself. Just like when you were doing the national anthem and you did that fart sound at the end and the whole stadium erupted in boos. You did not learn your goddamn lesson, did you? No. And poor Sarah Gilbert, poor John Goodman, poor whatever the fuck that guy's name that plays DJ, poor Becky... Poor Aunt Jackie. Poor Sandra Bernhardt. What's she going to do now? She's not on the radio anymore. It's bullshit. I hope they bring back the show, and I hope they leave Roseanne off of it. I hope they do. Fuck her. Fuck her and the fat horse she rode in on. Stupid, 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 racist, fat, idiot, bitch. Stay off of Twitter, shut up, go away. You're crazy, nobody likes you, nobody's ever liked you, and if you killed yourself, I doubt anybody would care. Oh, I'm going a little far there. I take that last five seconds back. Okay, let's move on. No, actually, let's not move on. Roseanne, what were you thinking? That was a good show. And the original Roseanne was not political every damn show. Sometimes they would discuss serious issues on the show, which was fine. But it wasn't constantly Muslim this, Muslim that. I'm tired of political messages and things that are supposed to be entertaining. I'm tired of being brainwashed. I'm tired of being brainwashed by archons. I'm tired of it. I'm so brainwashed. My mind is putty because of what these things have done to me. I am a crazy lunatic. 
troll. I'm a crazy lunatic conspiracy troll. And I even wear an eyes wide shut mask and a hoodie. <laughs> I walk around in a hoodie and, a, and an eyes wide shut mask and I tell people about the end of days. That's what they've done to me. I'm a complete lunatic. And I belong in a padded room with nothing but a straight jacket. Seriously, I do. I belong in a damn padded room. I do. I just want to throw myself against the walls. Nurse. Nurse. What's that, Daniel? Nothing. Nurse. Okay, enough of that. Enough about Roseanne, anyways. I have another topic I want to talk about. So, one of the hot topics nowadays is these kids that are becoming transgender. They're like four or five years old, or at least seven. And as you guys know, I'm totally for uh, gay rights, transgender rights. Absolutely. I don't like seeing people get bullied. don't like seeing people get suppressed for doing nothing wrong. I, that disgusts me on every level. I, I hate that stuff. Hate of any kind is disgusting. But, you know, when I'm looking at YouTube or I'm on Twitter or something, and I see, like, this article came out. The school in the UK is saying if you're too hot, the boys, they're saying this to the boys, if you're too hot, you cannot wear shorts anymore. You either have to wear pants and be hot, or you have to wear a skirt like the girls. What? So now you're forcing kids to wear skirts or be hot? Is the principal there like some kind of massive pervert? Does he just want to force all the little boys to wear dresses? That's a little weird, right? Uh, again, this you know these extreme liberal ideas being taken to an extreme. And and, actually, and now they're actually forcing, they're forcing young boys to wear skirts. And I can't help but think that it's the same thing when you see the six-year-old or the four-year-old. Oh, somebody's calling. I'll have to get back to this. Hello. Hello, Daniel. How are you doing? Hey. Hey, uh, you're talking about these uh, kids and the boys wearing dresses? Hey, Al, how you doing? Yeah, that's what we're talking about. I'm all right. Uh, yeah, that's where they're leading us. With all the estrogen and the water supply and all the men getting effeminated. That's kind of what I'm worried about. Women, and how all these women are, like, taking charge all of a sudden, like that Harvey Weinstein deal and all these other people getting charged with rape and freaking whatnot. It's happening to me. It's happening to me. There's women telling me what to do all the time lately. No, but like the Hollywood thing with Harvey Weinstein, that was called the casting couch. You wanted to get in a movie, you had to fuck the producer, right? Yeah, that's that's the deal. That's what it was, and now they're all saying, he made me have sex with him getting his movie. You know, now they're all fucking claiming rape and shit when they knew what they were doing. Oh, yeah. That's anyways, Whoa. I've, I've seen a, have you seen the rompers for men on, like, Facebook and whatnot? No, but that's kind of disturbing. Yeah, I've been I've been seeing stuff last year for like uh, they got rompers for men now. You know what that is, right? It's like a one piece. It's like shorts, with, uh, like hot pants with a freaking top connected all in one piece. 
I'm not wearing that shit. And then I've been seeing in high heels for guys and stuff like that. It's like they're been telling people, yeah, watching about 20 years, the men are going to be wearing the makeup and not the women. Yeah, that's going to be what happens. We're all going to become trannies. No, they're just feminizing the men, going to make them make their, and the females. That's just the age we're going into. The, we're going into a patriarchal age, so the female has to rule it. Coming out of a matriarch, now it's going to be father earth instead of mother earth. And the women are going to be in charge. Why do you suppose like they the, want to do this? Uh, they're not doing it. They're all pissed off about it, actually. It's just a side effect of their bullshit, you know? Well, well this is what I've seen now. This is what I was about to get into right before you called. But there's, like, mothers that are actually putting, like, dresses and lipstick on their sons so they can put their pictures on social media and show the whole world how how they are so progressive and liberal and they are allowing their four-year-old or six-year-old to be a girl because they show some inclination towards girl toys at some point. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. You've heard of George Herbert Walker Bush, right? I believe so. The old man, Bush 44, uh-huh. 42. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, frickin' when he was running the first time, frickin' Ross Perot put out ads, because I was the guy I was running against. He was, he was the favorite to win was Ross Perot, but uh, there were ads out there on TV showing that when George Herbert Walker Bush was a toddler, his parents dressed him up like a little girl, because that's what they wanted, a girl, not a boy. Oh, wow, okay. Hmm. So there was a whole... Uh, there was a TV com- political TV commercial showing him dressed up as a little girl when he was like four and five years old. What do you think of that? Is that wrong? No, it's, I'm just saying, you know, it's nothing new. Yeah, it's nothing new, but <laughs> don't you think that's kind of forcing forcing a, a gender on a child? Isn't that kind of steering them in one direction or the other? Uh... I don't know, it's just like reincarnation and all these freaking trannies. You, you know, like Robert, your guy was talking about the soul contracts and shit like that. And, you know, you picked your gender before you came here. What's this freaking changing your freaking mind already in the program, you know? Yeah, and like you mentioned, it seems that they are actually going as far as to bombard men, not only with societal type of programming, but also with chemicals uh, in the water, in the foods, in the milk, whatever. It, it all seems to be doing the same thing, which is to get our bodies to produce more estrogen and basically, or not necessarily just estrogen, but whatever hormones or chemicals it takes to actually make men physically turn into women. Yeah, you know, something we were doing the other day. I was talking to Google something, and I found this video. I know, it was on Facebook Live, dude. I couldn't believe it. And, uh, you know, when you watch a video and you put it on large screen on your computer and there's a column on the left or on the right there where it gives you op- other options to watch, sometimes they're live videos. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And anyway, I was scrolling down through that, and I was like, let's see what these people are doing. I scrolled on there, and there was a freaking dude that had freaking tits like a woman, dude. No, hold on, dude. Yeah, that's something there was, that there some can girl happen. Sitting there, there was some girl sitting behind him, and there was a dude sitting there freaking all, freaking neck and all, like, I don't know if he was a tranny or what, but freaking, he was obviously a freaking dude. But he had freaking tits just like a woman, dude. Exactly, like a C-cup or something like that. 
Was that a surgery or was that done through hormones? I couldn't tell. I just scroll. I was just watching the Facebook video live or watching a video on Facebook, and then I, I thought it was getting towards the end. I was like, let's go see what I can find live, you know, so I can be in the moment. And I just you know, let's see what this one's done. Clicked on it and freaking you know, because a lot of them I've been finding a lot of people just on there bullshitting. Yeah, sure. There's a lot of videos they've been playing. Like the majority of them have been like pool tournaments and dart tournaments and baseball games. And like last month or the last few weeks, there's a lot of graduations. Uh huh. And every now every now and then, I'll find a live band on there. That's you know, instead of playing at the club, they got a camera set up in their jam space, and they just go Facebook Live. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Them. Uh, you know, I've been noticing a lot of live bands when they're playing actually live out somewhere. There aren't anybody there anymore watching them. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no problem if, uh, you know, like like somebody like David Bowie, he he dressed in kind of a sexually ambiguous way. I have no problem with that stuff. I mean, it's very original and creative and artistic. Yeah, and that, all was that. Different. that was different, dude. He wasn't trying to be a tranny. He was being exotic. Like him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, it's like back in the 80s, you had all them bands putting on freaking makeup to look like freaking whores, right? Poison, Cinderella, and all that shit. Oh, yeah, hair metal. Yeah, but then you had other bands that were freaking putting on makeup and trying to be freaking like a clown, you know? Like oh, Kiss. no, that's, that's, called called a, that's called glam metal. No, but Kiss, like Kiss, that's freaking clown makeup, dude. Oh, Kiss, like, yeah, Kiss. Clown makeup. Yeah. Basically, uh, that's all it is, is clown makeup. Have dude. you seen that movie, Detroit Rock City? Uh, Probably. If you haven't seen that, you got to watch it. It's about this group of teenagers that are trying to go to a Kiss show. Yeah, I remember about all that. Yeah, pretty good movie. You know, when, when I first heard about them, I didn't like them because I was in junior high school and Kiss Alive just came out and they were coming to town. And everybody in my school had freaking Kiss fever. I was like, what the fuck, man? Fuck these guys. <laughs> What's this fucking makeup shit? You know what the fuck they're hiding from? I don't think their well, you know, music was that great. Oh, I just said, I didn't think that, I never thought that their music was really that great. What do you think of that? I love the shit out of them now, dude. Oh, really? Not all their songs are, not all their songs are okay, good or okay, but, you know, they put out a good chunk of freaking decent, especially later on, later on, like, uh, I wasn't really impressed with Monster, but freaking Psycho Circus is freaking awesome, dude. Maybe I, I just like need to... Too. Maybe I just need to kind of check them out more. Maybe I was just kind of turned off by the makeup and stuff, stuff like that. Yeah, like I was at first. Yeah, I first it, heard about it, everybody in the wood shop and everybody's making these kiss things out of wood. You know the kiss logo. And earlier we were talking about Marilyn Manson, who also had a very hardcore following of people that were emulating his look very closely. Yeah, well, that dude used to take runaways and get them on the right path and back home at his mansion. Oh, really? Yeah, runaways. You'd find runaways and take them back to his mansion and talk them into going back home and shit like that instead of being runaways. Yeah, he uh, okay, has some very interesting that ideas. If you check out some of his interviews. Well, really know what What's that? When he tried to play, he came here with Nine Inch Nails, and the guy that owned the place that they were playing wouldn't let him play. So he walked out on stage and ripped up a book of Mormon, walked up, stomped off all pissed. Oh, really? When was that? Yeah. 
uh, sometime in the 90s. The Nine Inch Nails on the Downward Spiral Tour. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were touring together for a while, weren't they? Yeah. When they came here, they played the Delta, it's called the Delta Center back then. The arena around here, Larry Miller wouldn't let him play, so we got a man came out. Hey, they were, God, who's this place? Won't let me play, so fuck this shit. Fuck this place. Went out there and ripped up a Book of Mormon and stormed off. That's kind of funny. But, you know, the funny part is they had Jim Road Circus Sideshow there, too. What's that again? Have you ever heard of the Jim Rhodes Circus Sideshow? Sounds familiar. You'll have to refresh my memory. Oh, he had, like, the amazing Mr. Lipto had his fucking testicles pierced, or his dick pierced, and he'd pick up fucking weights and shit with it, and he had a guy that fucking, that guy's called the amazing Mr. Lipto, and then he had a guy that would fucking have the audience members puke, or mix up a cocktail of ketchup and pep up bismol and a whole bunch of other weird shit, and probably stir it all up and have an audience member drink it and then puke it up into a fucking, um, container and then he'd drink that. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah, it was Jim Rhodes Circus Side it was like this ultimate freak show sideshow thing, dude. Was he the guy that yeah, was like taking more. was that the guy that was like taking a shit on stage? Sounds not Gigi Allen. Oh, oh, oh it, might be, it, might be, it might be it might yeah it might be. I'm just see what I can find here on YouTube. Yeah, the, I remember that um Somebody was doing that. Somebody was, like, taking a shit on stage and just throwing it on the audience. Well, Gigi Allen used to do that. I think that's who I'm thinking of. I, I read some kind of article, and somebody was pointing out, like, the most extreme, shocking thing that anybody's ever done. Once, once somebody actually pooped on stage, picked up their turds, and tossed them at the audience like a monkey, there was no topping that. Yeah, it's a Jim Rose Circus Sideshow. Oh, okay. I found a video of it on YouTube. Hey, you should check it out. It's pretty funny, dude. <laughs> Got a lot of... My, my, favorite, uh, my favorite video footage of any concerts are the ones where people are antagonizing Axl Rose and he gets pissed off and, like, jumps into the audience and starts swinging at people. Uh, I haven't seen it. Uh, I never cared for Guns N' Roses. I was in the, I lived in the Bay Area. We were in the hardcore metal, not that freaking wimpy shit. Oh, not a, okay. Yeah, well, yeah, I can see that. When every new sort of wave comes along, the people in the other types of genres or the people in the previous popular genre, they they tend to just kind of hate it. Like, I was hanging out with Megadeth and Metallica back then, dude, and Slayer. Yeah, that's a very different scene, very different crowd. And uh, the grunge people, they hated, they hated the, uh, you know, Guns N' Roses, like, um, Kurt Cobain hated Axl Rose. They hated each other, and and then you know it, these different groups. They just don't seem to get along. The different musical genres. Yeah, it's like I don't really care for rap or hip hop, but I'm starting to make rap and hip hop music. That make any sense? Uh, yeah. Well, with me, I like rap and I like hip hop. Hip hop, but occasionally I, I do get I get turned off by some of the themes, like uh, beating women or. Uh, drinking a lot of 40-ouncers or smoking crack cocaine. I'm just not into crack cocaine or 40-ouncers or slapping women. This is just not me. I can't do it, even if I tried. Yeah, well, like, I love ICP and Twisted, and they talk about stuff like that, but they're talking about hitting the right people, you know what I mean? Child molesters and rapists and murderers. And would you, would you ever go to that... Hey, Al, would you ever go to that big gathering that they have, the gathering of the Juggalos? I don't go to any gatherings anymore, dude. I hate crowds. 
Oh, okay. Well, I'm kind of the same way, I have to admit. I'm a hermit now. I just hang out. I go to work. I freaking go to... The only things that get me out of the house are going to work and going to the grocery store. What do you do at home all day? Just make music? Yeah, make noises. Well, that's what drives you in life. I mean, do what you want to do. Ah. I make weird sounds like that. Damn, that was quite the weird sound. Okay, thank you for the transhumanist sounds. That is very, very ear, ear screeching. <laughs> hey, well, Todd's got the same keyboard. He wouldn't let me borrow it, so I went and found one online and bought, it, bought my own. His was because I told you I want to start doing some hip hop music, and his is kind of set up for that. Uh huh. So I bought this one and freaking got it home, and it's all set up to do techno. Oh, okay. Yeah, those keyboards, they go for a pretty penny. They're still very sought after, even with all the computers and stuff like that. Well, this one plays its own. That's just holding one key down, dude, and I got a beat and a melody. Can you can you kind of freestyle rap over it for us? Go ahead. I need no, to I can't rap quick. I'm just learning how to rap, dude. Oh okay. Well, send send me some of your stuff. Well, I'll I'll check it out and and uh, you know I like to play your music. Send me some of your hip hop tracks. Well, I haven't really got anything put together. I got one kind of almost put together, but actually I do got a couple that uh, I had to take them down. Kind of harping on gays a little bit too much on them. Do you say they're harping on gays? No, I, I come from a generation where you could make fun of anybody. Nobody cared. It was yeah. just making fun, you know? That's how now everybody takes a person. It was like that even as, you know, shortly ago as when I was a kid. It wasn't as bad as it is now. You can't get away with anything now. Yeah, now everybody, yeah, cause everybody takes it personal now. It used to be freaking like, like if you call a black guy the N-word, he gets all pissed off, right? But if you call a white guy a honky or, you know, or any of them other words, we don't care. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can you can call white people Caspers all day. You can call them Whitey or Cracker, and it doesn't mean a darn thing. Like I I just said three yeah. racist words, and it doesn't matter at all, really. No, it's like a friend of mine bought this bass guitar, and he took the plate, he took the neck off the body, and the plate on the back of the uh, body that bolts the neck to the body. Uh-huh. It had it had like a, kind of like a German SS thing scratched into it. Yeah, and so he was just showing people. He's, he just he made a little video. Oh yeah, I took this off and I saw this paint on here. His paint going on here, so I, he got it off and look, he's got this German SS thing on it. And that's all he did, you know. And he, he got he even got rid of it off the plate. It's not even there no more. Completely, he got he buffed the scratches out or ground them out or whatever. Were people giving but him shit for that? Posted, no, he posted that right, just showing the plate with showing the little SS thing on it. He started getting hate freaking comments and shit because of it. Oh yeah, I I have that happen to me just just because I I've said stuff like I don't like how the Israeli army is shooting kids and women or old people on the Gaza Strip. People have called me an anti-Semite and a neo-Nazi for that. It's insane. Really? Yeah, that's how crazy it is out there. Well, that's funny, Kirk. And people ask me about political affiliation. I just say National Socialist. I don't even understand what that is. <laughs> They, they think it's what they are, you know, progressive or whatever. <laughs> okay, that's that's pretty funny. You got me with that one, Al. That's hilarious. 
None of them have a national socialist. That's what the Nazis started. The Nazis started off as fucking okay, you know, good thing, you know, and then all of a sudden fucking everybody's all, oh, you know, and then stupid shit started happening, people started freaking out, and it kind of got more it evolved, you know? Yeah, that's why I don't like Bernie Sanders. He's pretty much being set up to be the next Hitler. I thought, everybody keeps saying that's Trump. No, Trump's a Trump's good a new dude. Reagan, new Reagan, dude. I think Trump's, Trump's a good guy. New Reagan. I mean, does he make and mistakes? Reagan, yeah, but I think he's a good dude. You weren't around when Reagan was around. What Reagan do? He stimulated the economy. So, Perkin, that's what Trump's doing. Everybody kept saying, we want a new Reagan, we want a new Reagan. And then here they get one, and then all they do is bitch about it. Yeah, it's because if you're poor, even if the economy isn't doing better, you're still poor. No, but the only difference between Trump and Reagan is fucking Reagan was an actor and knew how to fucking act in the presidency of Trump. He's just a fucking reality TV show guy, right? Yeah. All he's doing is do, all he's doing is continuing his TV show, The Office, by being in the White House. He just took it to the maximum level. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Oh, The, the Apprentice. There, yeah, that's, yeah, that's all he's doing is the freaking uh, he's doing a freaking The Apprentice on a grand scale, dude, on the ultimate scale, right? Yeah, exactly. But you know what? The presidency is just a uh, horse and pony show, anyway. So who cares? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I've been learning a lot of stuff lately about what's going on and shit, but I can't really discuss it because that's why I'm still here. Can you give us a hint? Well, I told Thompson about how they're building these bases on the moon for a present. They're doing the same about a catastrophe coming, right? Uh, we got to nail down an interview, Al. We kind of missed the boat. We got to get you on here for a full show and, and get all of your wonderful secrets out on the table. <laughs> That's the problem is I can't be devoted too many because I've been getting way, we getting a lot of information. I've been getting all messages. Hey, keep it to yourself. Working well, you know, you, you'll start getting going somewhere again. Well, are you sure that the consequences you think might happen? Are you sure that they? Are you absolutely sure that they will happen? And it's not some kind of manipulation or deception from them. Well, it's like when I go on these little adventures, when I get these messages, I'll be, uh, I'll be just minding my own business, doing my own thing, and then all of a sudden, freaking, uh, after a while, they start attacking me, telling me all this different shit they're going to do to me. Yeah, I, I have similar experiences, Al. I don't think that I get attacked in the same way that you do, but they use different types of wordplay and manipulation with me. All right, well, here's a good one for you. I'm out in Nebraska, and I'm hearing these messages on my CB radio. I'm hearing this thing off in the distance. Like, I don't know. I've never picked anything that big up before. I'm just talking about like having a little episode. It's, it's all foggy, right? And I'm driving down the road, and I'm looking at, like, I think the 35-mile marker on the side of the road. And then the next mile marker said 49. I'm all, what the fuck? How did I get freaking 15 miles behind me? What the hell? And then the next mile marker was the four-mile marker. Next thing I know, I'm fucking leaving the state of Nebraska going, how the fuck did I just fucking move from the 49-mile marker to the four-mile marker in one mile? You know, I've had... Uh, you know, maybe, I was teleported, dude. Yeah, no, I believe you. I've had things like that happen to me where I seem to have just kind of jumped in time a little bit or it feels like what I'm seeing in front of me is a movie and I don't really feel like I'm interacting with it. Well, I've had... I, I, don't, I leave for split seconds. And they come back right the moment I left for weeks at a time sometimes. 
another thing that's happened to me, Al, is uh, they've actually blanked out certain thoughts from my mind. I'll, I'll make a discovery within my own head. Next thing you know, I'm getting hit by some kind of weird wave, and I don't remember what the hell I was thinking about. Uh, I don't know what that's about, Hurricane. I don't get the weird waves, but I've just I've I've just seen things that they have technology that they can do, you know. And so when they start threatening me with shit, I have to take it seriously because I've seen things that I can't explain like that. Like I've been tra- I've been transported through time and space without me even noticing it, you know. Yeah, no, I believe. Or I noticed it, the mile marker was telling me. And sometimes they'll do these things to kind of throw you off because you are on the path of making some great discovery or you are on the path of helping somebody or connecting with somebody. They'll do this stuff to just kind of throw you through a loop and just put you off just enough so whatever positive thing was supposed to happen does not happen. Well, you remember uh, that May of 2011 when that preacher dude said the world was going to come to an end and everybody's all believing it? <laughs> yeah. All right, well, that's when that incident I was just telling you about happened. And when I got back to where I was, when I got to where I was going that night, I kept feeling things jumping into me like I was a gateway. And I was getting the impression it was like rats jumping off a sinking ship. Remember, like I said, that night the world was supposed to be coming to an end? Mm -hmm. And it was almost like I was, I'm a gateway, like a stargate or whatever. I think. There were beings or entities. Jumping spirits or whatever jumping into me and freaking using me, my center as a portal to go somewhere else like they were rats leaving a sinking ship because the world is supposed to be coming to an end, right? Yeah, well, the thing is, though, with spirits, the, the reason they're spirits is because they don't have bodies. So a lot of ghosts and spirits, demonic entities, they can only interact with the physical world by borrowing your vehicle and jumping inside of you, jumping out of you. You can even kind of feel when it's happening. You can feel like... Almost like a ghost. Just it feels like a ghost, just kind of jumping inside your body. I felt it before. No, that's not, that's not what this was. This I was a portal that night, dude. And they were just fucking jumping in me. They were like rats escaping a sinking ship. That's the impression I got from the whole situation. Was that just rats jumping off a sinking ship, thinking the sink, sh- thinking the ship's sinking? Because that's what they were told. Dude, everybody was believing that shit. Even the ghosts. Everywhere I went, <laughs> I'm the truck drivers go, "Yeah, it's the end of the world, fucking." We're going to the moon. All these truck drivers on the CB kept saying that they're chosen. They're going to the moon. Yeah. That's just... like, you can't drive on the moon without a CDL, man. It's the rule up there. Yeah, that to me, when I hear stuff like that, it reeks of deception because we really don't know when the end is going to come. It even says, I think it's in the Bible, isn't it? Nobody knows the day or the hour. Nobody knows it. Yeah, but before that happened, or after that happened, I heard of a prophecy that freaking when the end of the world does come, no matter what direction you turn, the wind will be in your face. And that also happened to me that trip. Everywhere I went, freaking the wind was in my face, and I was fucking burning fuel like no tomorrow. Well, Al, I do believe that we are in some sort of end of day, so I can't really argue your point. It obviously didn't all happen at once then, but perhaps it's still happening. Perhaps it's a longer process. Well, you know what time is, don't you? Uh, what is it? Nature's way of keeping everything from happening all in the snap or the split second that it all actually happened. Yeah, that makes sense. Eternal, everything that ever happens in time on Earth happened in a split second eternally. Yeah, that totally time makes sense. It's an illusion. Nature's way of spreading it out. Time is also an illusion. 
Yep. No, time is a man construct. Cycles is what we're supposed to be using. The moon and uh, so, uh, uh, climate uh, cycles, right? Yeah. Winter, summer, night, night, day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a natural clock for sure. Time didn't really exist until the invention of the freaking mechanical clock. In the mindset of the human being, anyways. Well, the solar system, if, if it is really a solar system and there really is a solar system out there, it is kind of revolving like a clock, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Even all the solar systems, here's uh, how I look at it. All these solar systems that are freaking always moving around each other and shit like that. Uh-huh. You know, you know how the galaxies spin and all the solar systems spin around each other and shit like that in the galaxies? Yeah. I look at all those solar systems as just gears in a big clockwork. The galaxies, the clock, all the solar systems are the gears in it. Yeah, that's kind of how I, I think it works as well. It does seem like the solar system and the planet and galaxies, they seem to be clockwork. Like they kind of spin and other things spin. and There's a lot of spinning and rotating going on. Well, if you freaking, uh, if you were able to go outside the solar system and find yourself a fixed position. Yeah. And watch our solar system, it's moving, the, the star is moving through space. And the Earth is spinning, and all the planets are spinning around it, right? Yeah. Well, that's like a spaceship moving through space, and the planets are the engine, right? Mm-hmm. As they're spinning, that's the motor. But yeah. they're making a corkscrew motion as they're going around the sun as they're traveling through space from a fixed position. Yeah. Because the star is moving and the planets are spinning around it, so it's, they're making a, a corkscrew motion as they're traveling. Through. So in order to travel back in time, you need to know exactly where the planet was in that particular or in a particular point in the nature. And you, and you know, Al, that's why I don't believe in all that space bullshit. Because of those reasons. It doesn't even make any sense. If it, if space is real, it, everything's just flying everywhere. And how would we ever even go in a straight line? Hey, when I was a little kid, nice to think that God was the sun. I'm leaning more towards that put, type of thinking. <laughs> and at nighttime, they put a dome over the Earth, and all those stars up there were just windows. Letting the angels look down on us at night through the dome. Well, one thing that I and can say... Back in, that was God again. God was coming back again. One thing that I can say about, you know, if space is real, if it is like like they tell us that it is, then it also mirrors itself, you know, the saying, as above, so shall be below. Um, in the microscopic world, with atoms, the way that they kind of, um, you know, the, the protons and neutrons circle around each other, that's very much like the larger solar system. So it is exactly like they say, as above, so shall be below. The the higher world is a, a macrocosm of the smaller world, and the smaller world is a microcosm of the bigger world. Yeah, remember you said we're in the Matrix, which is just like a holodeck. Pretty much. <laughs> Like I got a buddy posted uh, on Facebook said the world is round, so I commented there like a disc, you know, because there's a flat Earth thing moving going around right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, <laughs> dudes all, yeah, the world is round. So I found there like a disc, and then he posted a meme of a five-inch uh, floppy disk. 
You know, the plastic, the hard plastic ones? Yeah. But I was thinking it was more like a three or eight um, inch floppy disk. You know, the old soft plastic, the soft thin film plastic ones? Yeah, I mean. I don't know if you're when the computer first came out, remember the floppy disk back then was just like a sheet of film? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. You break them open and you got that black disc thing inside. Yeah, it's just a little film piece of plastic, right? Yeah, it's 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 floppy. You can flop it around. That's why it's called the floppy disk. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, that's what I think our lives are. Just all our lives are in a floppy disk in a freaking some big giant computer, and we just interact with each other in the matrix from these floppy disks. I do think you are probably right about that, Al. I think it's just that when we are shown things Thank like you. space and stuff like that, it's just a trick. It's just like images on a screen. It's just like they're telling yeah, us that's like out the there. Screen, right? What's it's up? like the Truman Show. The guy's not real. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it could be. How can I really say? I mean, they don't let me go up there. Why don't they let me inside the rocket so I can go see for myself? I'm not good enough? Exactly. What's wrong with <laughs> me? None of us are good enough. We're just slaves. Because we're not Freemasons. That's why they don't let us go up there. Yeah, because we're slaves. We're just freaking... We're wage slaves. We're, we're their we're making bitches. enough money to freaking... Instead of them having to pay, build our shelter and freaking keep house us and freaking feed us, they just freaking made us figure out a system where we got to pay for all that shit ourselves. They turned us into their little bitches. Yeah, we're their sla- we're wage slaves. We're wage bitches. Yeah, we make just enough money to freaking cover our rent and our freaking need our basic needs and freaking we make enough money to cover our basic needs and a little bit of our wants right if you don't can't afford your wants just go on credit and slowly freaking pay it off and just be a you know yeah and like they, i heard it, i saw this video the other yesterday i told started to talk and read it to him about how they've been going to the moon for like a few decades now building bases up there yeah so that when we finally start going back up there they'll yeah, we've got, we've built all this base up there and they're already made so they'll think that, you know, they just made them just for us just before we got there. You know, they've been there for decades, and then we'll go up there and start working for the elites here. Huh. And, and then they'll freaking, they'll just pay us in air up there, you know what I mean? <laughs> like a prison? Yeah, that's... Like, uh... a, like in the movie Total Recall, where you go, you work for the elites, if you, and if you don't want to fucking be cooperative and work for them, then they just cut off your air. Yeah, that that's a theme on uh, several different... Uh, TV shows and stuff like that. I, I saw that on Doctor Who. They kind of use that theme, and I, I do believe that that's entirely possible. There you go. They did it with energy. They did it with electricity. I mean, you can pull electricity out of the air around you. You can get it from anywhere. There's no reason why we should be paying anybody for electricity. Yeah, that's what the sun does. There's a freaking conduit comes straight from the sun to us at all times. Given, and the planet collects it like a capacitor, and then the lightning and hurricanes and tornadoes, and shit's just all that energy being dis- dissipated. Yeah, we should all just be living living in the sticks. We should be living en natural, uh, wiping our rear ends with leaves and sleeping in the grass so at we can, night. We can, live in the city. we can live in the city, but we should be getting our, if we got our energy out, of our electrical needs out of the atmosphere instead of freaking paying for it off the wires, there wouldn't be no more hurricanes and tornadoes and shit like that, dude. Yeah, that's probably true. But hey, Al, we, we've that gone. Get, that would get rid of all that fucking shit, dude. Hey, Al, we've gone a little long here. I'm, I'm gonna have to let you go. Thanks for calling in, though. Yeah, just letting you know I was here. Listen.
Awesome. Well, I appreciate your call. We covered some good stuff tonight. I look forward to talking to you again. All right. We'll talk to you later. Peace. And that was Al. Went a good 33 minutes with him. I figured we should probably move on, uh, mainly because we're approaching that three-hour three mark, and I'm getting a little sweepy. I'm getting tired. So let's go ahead and move on. Um, before Al called in and kind of got us off track, I was about to explain why I don't like mothers dressing up their four-year-olds or their six-year-olds in dresses and lipstick. Well, that happened to me. Yes, you heard it here, folks. I was forced to be a cross-dresser by my own very mother and my aunt. They, I was four years old. They put me in a dress. I did not know what the hell was going on. I was just a little boy, and all I knew was that I felt pretty. And I don't know what? Oh, come on, already? I'm trying to finish this awful story. Hello? 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 Hey there, buddy. What's going on, Daniel? Not much. I was just telling a little story of when my mother made me wear a dress when I was four years old. Oh, goodness. I didn't mean to interrupt that story, but when you said you were getting sleepy, I thought I better call in. No, no, it's okay. I I've got I got the story out. I was horribly abused by my mother. I hope she doesn't listen to this show because she's probably going to be mad, but it did happen, and I don't appreciate it. I, I was traumatized. Those pictures existed for many years until I finally found them and ripped them up when I was like 10 years old. All the time. Just more than once for many years or once or twice? It was just once. It was once, but that was enough to really <laughs> really scar oh, me. I'm scarred. <laughs> oh, isn't he cute? He's a little girl. Oh, look at him. Stop. Stop. You're traumatizing me oh, further. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. That was done to oh. me. My mom never did that, thank God. Are you sure? My mom knocked me down once. Oh, well, that's something that one happened time, a lot back in the day. One time in my whole life. What'd you do? I was throwing a tantrum. We were up at the ski resort. Um, throwing a tantrum. And then you got thrown. Out of, I was out of line. Yeah, I was out of line. And my mom never did that ever once in my whole life. And when she did that once, um, well, fuck, all of a sudden had respect for mom because she could knock me, you know. (laughs) She's stronger than you thought she was. Yeah, and then you never expect it because my mom would never do that. Yeah, I mean, when people get frustrated, I don't care how good of a person they are, when people get frustrated, they start pushing and swinging and getting physically violent. Mm. It wasn't quite that. I mean, I'm not saying that. It was. Yeah. I was being horrible. I remember. I I, 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 I,
Can you do that one more time, that please? Can. Please do that one more time. No, I can't do that one more time. <laughs> God damn I want to go to the give me the ice cream cone. Mom, you're a... <laughs> no, my mom is an angel. No, no, I was talking about my mom. Uh, uh, wait, I shouldn't say that either. <laughs> Daniel. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> First you talk about Roseanne like this. No, no, it's it's okay. I'm just joking. My mother and actually, then, my no. mother actually listens to the show, Todd. Oh, she does? Hi, yeah. Daniel's mom. Oh god. No, I'm embarrassed. <clears throat> That's cool. I love that. I tell my mom about all about your show. Play many episodes to her. She digs your show. My mom's cool. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, anytime you talk about me, I certainly perk up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Jesse's like, he's, he's got a voice. I'd listen to that going to sleep. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> she mentioned that about your voice. I'm like, well, he is funny. <laughs> and yeah, his voice, I don't know if I ever thought, oh, it's very pleasant. It's very pleasant. Oh. I don't know if I ever pictured you that well. Wait, you know your voice. I mean, it's pleasant enough. <laughs> but, oh boy, uh, funny! I'm blushing. You're funny, you funny fucker, yeah. I'm blushing. Well, thank you, Todd's mom. I do very much appreciate your comments, and I appreciate you appreciating me above all. Wow, thank you. Yeah, this conversation got off onto uh, one of those tangents. Um, wow, Al's on Robert. Stanley's? Yeah, we got to get Al to actually come on for a full-on interview. And yeah, Robert Stanley, fantastic. God damn, it's like, whoa, it's going back to a time warp. His voice, <laughs> his voice alone transfers you back to to the message, you know? Yeah, you know, I Luther think it was Durian. just a little over a year ago we had Robert on here, so... In a way, this is kind of like the one-year anniversary of End of Days Radio since it became just me on here. So it's kind of cool. That is so cool. No, I really, I really like Robert. By the way, that was fantastically wild interview. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's just been an incredible year. Um, you know, since, since uh, Michael and I split up, it's just been a real. A bumpy and rough road, but here we are over a year later, and I've I've really gotten into the flow of this. I really feel like I've found my voice, just like Pepperoni Temple had advised me to do. Pepperoni Temple, where is he at now? <laughs> I, I had to go there. <laughs> where is he? I don't know. God, Pepperoni, you call once, and then you never call again. Yeah, I every- miss Pepperoni. If you're out there. Pepperoni, I loved you for that five-minute call. <laughs> Pissed Daniel off, though. <laughs> that was a funny show. I think my own shadow was pissing me off at that point. <laughs> yeah, you were in that mood. Quit, he made one call. looking at me, like, shadow. I love every... He made... <laughs> that was so funny at that time. <laughs> He made one comment. <laughs> Everything he said was praising you, how great your show was. <laughs> but then he made that one comment, and I can't even remember what he said. <laughs> it 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a very trying time for young Daniel, and it, it was a tough time, but I'm glad that it all happened, because here we are, and here I am doing this, and I feel fantastic. I feel like I'm doing what I was really sent here to do, which is to get myself killed by digging up all kinds of secrets and exactly going down the rabbit hole and fighting against the and hopefully one day we can hopefully one day you know the i'll throw your body over the white house lawn <laughs> and you'll take mine to the top of mount olympus and cast it off into the cosmos that's right todd i am supposed to go and visit you soon or at some point <laughs> please do are you ready to meet Daniel in the flesh? Oh, yeah. In the third dimension? <laughs> if I hang out with Al, you know I'm ready to meet you. <laughs> all, all this damn internet shit, Todd. I mean, thank God for the internet because it allows people to connect over long distances. But it's weird, isn't it? I mean, we've never even looked each other in the eye. Mm. That's pretty cool. That's pretty weird. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to do That's that at least weird. once. I mean, it'd probably be better. I mean, I'd, you kind of have to stand in front of somebody to really get to know them. What's that? You kind of have to stand in front of somebody to really get to know them, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, I, uh, but but not not completely. In some cases, you know, you you wouldn't meet an author that's dead. True. Good point. Um, Touche. So, you know, in one sense, yeah. No, I love the physical, your physical presence. We can actually make music together. We can, yeah, you know, play guitars. And Hell yeah. I, I think that once I actually come down there, that's going to be the beginning of the band. That'd be so cool. Now I'm sure the portal. Oh, I'm um, going gonna, gonna to climb inside of the portal. I'll try to keep you from... You know, going in permanently so you can come back and do the show. Well, I know that Afterwards. your clothes get destroyed <laughs> when you go inside of the portal. So first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take my clothes off, and then I'm going to go inside the portal. <laughs> All right, I'll get everybody out of the room and leave the, you in the portal for yourself then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's just me in the portal in there. All right, everybody, we got to clear out. <laughs> so Todd, Todd. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> what do you think of this whole thing about Donald Trump pardoning pardoning himself? Um, God, so many. <clears throat> he he. Um, it's a trick. They bring in Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani comes out and tells the president now. You know now that he's the high. Howard lawyer, you can pardon yourself, Mr. President, if you wanted to. And then Trump, kind of like Roseanne, gets on Twitter and says, I can pardon myself if I wanted to, but I don't have to because I'm not guilty of anything. And then the whole world takes that as admission or, oh, look, he pardoned himself if he could because he's guilty. See how stupid that is of a number of the, the liberals say he's guilty, and then the conservatives say, yeah, he can do it, and he can pardon himself, and 
It's a sideshow, Daniel. I'm kind of with Al and Robert Stanley, where it's he's the apprentice at the highest level. It's a TV show being ran across our country. Yeah, that was a pretty interesting point that he made about that. Amazing comment. I'd never say it. I mean, I've thought it, maybe broached across it. But hey, you ready for a news story? I'm so ready. I had a couple other points I wanted to make too that I wrote down. I'll keep them short if you're tired. No, no, no. We can uh, we can get to everything. Uh, this is from theblast.com. It says world record orgy location moved from <laughs> world record orgy location moved after Las Vegas hotel pulls pulls out pulls out. The quest to break the Guinness, oh. the Guinness record for the world's largest orgy is still plowing ahead, plowing ahead, despite the original venue oh. for the event getting cold feet. Since City A is less than two weeks away from attempting to break the record, currently held by Japan, of 500 people simultaneously having sex, the attempt is part of... God, that's nasty. The attempt is part of a gigantic... What would that smell like? Fuck, that would be sick. The attempt is a part of a gigantic sex-filled weekend that was set to take place in the, at the Embassy Suits in Las Vegas. But apparently, the hotel didn't oh. know what they were getting themselves into when the weekend was originally booked and have since belled. I don't blame them. Who's going to clean up after this event? Yeah. Like hazmat. They're going to bring in, like, industrial hoses and I mean, lay gotta, down all the... <laughs> You gotta figure that. <laughs> you gotta figure that uh, not everybody in that huge orgy would be attractive, right? Yeah, yeah. I bet you they're less attractive than attractive. So if there's five hundred of them, probably four hundred and ninety <laughs> of them are <laughs> unattractive. It's just a sea of ugly. <laughs> you gotta swim through this sea like of ugly. <laughs> plus there's plus there's four hundred and fifty guys to fifty ugly girls. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> That's just wrong. Yeah, you know there's gonna be way more guys there than women. Wrong. Oh. What kind yeah. of person shows up for something like that, Todd? That's just God, like really? It's it's more evidence for close to the end of the world, the end of days. Oh, yeah, this is Babylon, all right. Shit. Man, not only do they have the giant black pyramid, now they're going to have the world's largest orgy and the world's largest shooting and the... We need a goddamn flood. Paddock. <laughs> we need a flood. We got to just purge the earth of these <laughs> sick fuck people. I mean, we need it right now. Well... I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna um, we're, we're gonna lose our homes. <laughs> yeah, flood insurance. <laughs> Why don't we just let all those weird people get together and what, uh, listen to the <laughs> to read the news stories because you don't want to watch them. <laughs> what happened? All right, Todd, you ready for the next news story? I'm so ready. Actually, you know what? Let's uh, let's do the mind blowing moment of the day real quick. All right. Mind blowing. Go ahead, Todd. Mind blowing. It's a mind blowing moment of the day. Oh, it blows your mind. Blow you away. Yeah. Today's mind blowing moment of the day. 
I'm going to say it's when Robert Stanley told us about how these beings out there, these archons, these degrading, depreciating beings, they cannot interact with this dimension, so they have to use their human emissaries to do so, and they use them to actually create this matrix around us, probably using thought or energy or ceremonial magic or something like that. But I can't help but – well, he didn't actually say that. I said that. But I can't help but think that that's friggin' amazing. So that's the mind-blowing moment of the day for today. That was your mind-blowing moment of his conversation that you think should be put up there for today. Well, then, Todd, what was your mind-blowing moment of the day? <clears throat> well, he Robert Stanley's really cool how he talks about – um, everything being energy, and then he comes back to waves at the end. He uses a little bit of science, you know, discussion to discuss the electrons and the atoms and the protons and the neutrons and everything spinning in, at different vibrations. But then he comes down to waves. And then he brought up cymatics, how sound, they've studied sound, and they found it holds different wave patterns. And the wave patterns can be negative or positive. They can be all kinds of things, but they know all about them. Science has done lots of tests and experiments in, in cymatics. And uh, that was kind of my mind-blowing moment there where he was just the energy, the cymatics, the cosmic waves. That's just me. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. I love it. Have you ever looked into cymatics? You know, the, the, the tests, the scientific tests they did on cymatics? No. It's simple. They, they took a tin sheet, like a copper plate, a real thin one, stretched it between four points, and then they would put a, a sand in the middle of it. It could have been graphite. And then they would play different... Um, they would play different sounds and the sound would change into different shapes on the plate. And it showed how sounds vibrate the particles. That's what it shows. So our voices are vibrating the particles. Robert Stanley went a little further where he talked about the split screen test. They shot photons through two different screens and they separated them in the, in the middle and this has been on NOVA 10,000 times so please don't let me bore you with this but as the photons went through screens they changed positions on both sides of a split screen meaning after they went through the screen they changed where they were depending on if a person was looking at them and they recorded it. So they had a person look at the light waves coming through, and the person can't see him, but he's looking at him, wondering. And it influenced the test results. They proved it. Same exact light photons being shot through screens, separated, changed depending upon the observer. The person looking at them changed the results, and they recorded it. 
what that means is you looking at something, putting your intent on it, changes the vibrations, the atoms, the atmosphere around you. You get that, Daniel? Yeah, no, I completely agree with all of that. It does seem that there's a good possibility that we might actually be generating the prison ourselves. The prison, yeah. Um, you know what's funny about it? You know what's funny about that? I know for a fact that everything is an illusion because when I dream, it's no different than waking day. Everything's the same. I mean, I've dreamed about entire lifetimes. So how can I sit here and say that this is real? How? What evidence do I have that this is any different than any dream? Yeah. And can dead people come back and tell us what's happening on the other side? Well, many times... Not as far as... I mean, I'm aware of, but I mean... Many times that is where the dead will come speak to you, in the dream state. Yeah. You know know that song by Pink Floyd, Comfortably Numb? Oh, that's that's the best. I have become... That's the best Pink Floyd song. That's the best Pink Floyd song, Tom. Todd. Oh, Tom. What the hell? Sorry. The part part of the song that relates to what you're talking about, he says, when I was a child, I had a fever. My head felt just like a balloon. I turned to look and it was gone. I cannot put my finger on it now. The child is grown. The dream is gone. Wow, that was very good, Todd. Yeah, that's what you were just talking about. It's the subtlety. It's the subtlety. Yeah. You won't find the truth in the fucking hyper... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll find it in the most subtle, quiet, still place and then you can't go back you can't get quite back to it it won't let you grab it it slips out of your fingers the dream yeah that's really some deep stuff I have to say that that's my best description of reality because really, from what I can tell, it's just a big shared dream, what's going on. It's just we're dreaming and you're in the dream. And it's not to say that nobody's not, nobody's, <coughs> it's not to say anybody's fake or they're not real or they're products of my mind. It's just we're all sharing the same or dream. Or their story, their story is, you know, right or wrong or yeah, it's, what they're telling you. There's all kinds yeah. of there's all kinds of different dreams that people are having, and I really do think we all have our own unique mission here. I don't think that the things that happen are meaningless. I do think that they matter. Um, on some level, is it a deception? Yes, we are inside of this big banking, Luciferian control scheme. It's obvious at this point. I mean, I've researched it a number of years, and it's just confirmed itself over a thousand times. So why would I doubt any of it at this point? I like the way Robert Stanley put it. Everything that we do or think to a certain degree is a choice. And some souls won't choose 
to step outside or see the matrix, if you want to call it that. Um, and that's okay. That's okay. Not everybody has to wake up to it, I guess. Um, no, they don't because not everybody it's – like, it's like Robert said. Not everybody's even real. A lot of people, they're spiritless. They're spiritless humans. They're just – they function purely on their brains. They just walk around like biological robots, and they eat, and they shit, and they, they have sex, and they live their lives, but they don't really have that soul, that spirit inside of them. And you can kind of tell in a way. Um. And then we're living in a giant war zone, too. You can see damaged people everywhere. Damaged psyches, damaged souls. Yeah, that's very sad. It's very sad. That's so true. There's a lot of broken, damaged people that are just damaged, and there's nothing that can really be done for them somehow they have to pull it together and try to move forward and get to a better place someday yeah no i don't see it like that i'm like people cause this to happen and so if a corrupt group of fuckers made our world look like this a dedicated group of decent people should be able to make the world look like a better place be a better place. I that's how I think. We don't. I don't see uh, Lucifer sitting at the end of this, making sure it always goes back to the thing. No, no, I don't see that. Because I'm a magician and I don't limit my potential. That's why I don't define what God and what religion and this or that. I'll try to describe my my thoughts and feelings on certain matters, but I don't proscribe or put myself in a box because I want to keep the most amount of potential open for my future. Hmm. But yeah, you can look around, Daniel. Point, that's a very evil. profound that's point. That's real. I mean, what's that? Oh, I said that's a very profound point. Good and evil, that's real. I'm not saying I... uh, Call it good, call it evil, call it good, good, bad, uh, positive, negative, you know, go down the list of of opposite terms you could use. I'm not denying that's real. The world's real, too. You know, the physical effects of the world's real. Um, Go out and do a bunch of bad shit, see what happens to you. Yeah, but do a bunch of good shit. See what happens to you. On some level, I do feel like you have to look at what's there, and you keep seeing this certain agenda pop up, and all these high-level people, Lucifer, Lucifer, Lucifer. Why are they so enamored with the devil? Why does it turn them on so much? Um, they have control mechanisms that they've used since, you know, time memorial, where they know they have to have the boogeyman, they have to have the scapegoat, they have to have all the positions. They play the plays over and over in front of us. 
And then our society sits out and lives out morality plays on an individual mass scale based upon ancient tribal systems. Yeah, that seems to be very true. But this concept of sacrifice and pedophilia, it seems to, perhaps the devil isn't real, perhaps Lucifer is not real, but it, these acts, they seem to garner a certain spirit and they just happen over and over oh. through, throughout time immemorial. And really that's more what I'm against as opposed to there necessarily having to be an actual figurehead or an actual physical being at the head of it. I mean, really what we're dealing with are spiritual concepts. And um, the devil might not be real, but the concept and the spiritual concepts that the stories are about certainly are. I would take it for what it is. Look at every country. They have their own uh, histories. They have their own sociological system. And they have their own beliefs. And they can use the same concepts over and over, but they have to frame them in that society's cultural clap traps. And so they play the same systems over and over. Depends on which society you're in. If you're in Hades, calling up de de spirits, it's not called demons. They don't look at them in a Western demon concept. They're spirits. Very powerful. They're not looked down upon as bad over there. They want to get them on. They get them in them. 